Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell. This is our fifth episode. And uh, this week we will be looking at a Halloween retrospective. Yep, we're, uh, we're going to get stuck into nine out of 11 of the films. We're not going to be uh, doing the Rob Zombie films as we're going to hopefully come back and do those at a later date as we think they kind of deserve their own look under the microscope. We want to look at Rob Zombie himself and we also want to focus on the original timeline. Well, the many (laughs) original timelines. Yeah. But all of the films that are actually linked to the original film, not the remakes, which are in their own separate. Yeah, kind of own reimagining kind of thing. Although we will be covering uh, Halloween Season of the Witch, which is its own thing. Yeah. So, um, this week we're going to go straight into it because we've got a lot of films yeah, to talk about. Yeah, we've got about. a lot of ground to cover. No, so, no, time, for, no time for lollygagging. <laughs> me and Bobby, this uh, over the last few weeks, have been watching all of the Halloween films. We want to make sure we'd properly <laughs> taken our time to investigate how good or bad each film was and make sure we had our knowledge on behind the scenes and yeah. all things going on. And obviously we were sharing a DVD. <laughs> yes, we were. Yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking of buying it, but I'm not sure how you scored it. But it was like a special collecting collection one, and I was looking online, and it's about fifty to sixty pounds, which it, is probably about eighty dollars. It is, and I'm not willing to spend that. <laughs> I got it. I got it back in the day in HMV for on on sale. I think for like twenty quid or something like that. Yeah. Like, and it was a, an exclusive of HMV, and now it's actually quite a collector's item. Um, although my box set's not in great condition no. anymore. <laughs> it's been it's been it's been borrowed and used a lot of times. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I think I think a good way of kind of getting to terms of how we watch this is how we actually watch these individually so yeah i um i I watched them i watched one a night and then the next day i wrote up my parts and you know i kind of thought about it that kind of stuff how did you watch them seb well i mean we uh, i wasn't left with too much time to get through (laughs) the box set uh although I tend to binge anyway, so I binged. I did four, the first four in <laughs> in a day, and then I did ones on and off throughout this last week. Um, and I did well; they were kind of broken up depending on if I, if we made if myself and my partner made it all the way through each film without falling asleep, <laughs> which gave me good time to reflect the next day when I realised I'd probably watched about twenty minutes and then had to go back to watch, rewatch them. When you that. woke up, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I literally finished it last night on the uh, the latest Halloween film, Halloween twenty eighteen. Uh, so mine was very much packed together. I was yeah. writing notes probably during the next film after I'd watched the previous film. Yeah. So maybe not as much time for reflection on my part, no. <laughs> but we had a deadline, so yeah. we had to get to it. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the film kind of itself. We're going to look at the director, the kind of budget, the box office, who played Michael Myers, uh, give a brief kind of plot summary so that if you haven't seen these films, you kind of know what we're talking about. And if you have yeah. seen them, but it's been a while, you're kind of refreshed. And then we're going to go through our pros and our cons, favorite kills, a bit behind the scenes stuff. And either sing the praises of some of these songs <laughs> or kind of <laughs> take them around the back and put a bullet in their head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're covering a lot, a lot of areas here. And um, I think let's start. Yeah. Should we start with... Kick us off, Epo. Of course, we begin with Halloween, 1978. Uh, directed by John Carpenter, of course, and written and produced by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Uh, the film had a budget of three hundred thousand uh, dollars, 
and it went on to make an estimated 60 to 70 million at the box office, which may have been included for inflation. It's been re-released a fair few times back on the screen, uh, but still, for the amount that it was made for, it was a big success at the yeah. time. It was a huge hit. So let's go into the plot. Many of you may know this, but we're going to make sure we remind you just so there's a lot of little bits you tend to forget with these plots, yeah. don't you? So, plot summary. On Halloween 1963, the small town of Haddonfield is shocked when six-year-old Michael Myers returns from trick-or-treating and for some unknown reason stabs his older sister, Judith, to death with a big kitchen knife and is found by his parents staring into, into space with the bloody knife in his hand. Sent to a mental institution, Michael spends the next 15 years just sitting, still staring into space despite the best efforts of Dr. Samuel Loomis. Now, on October 30th, 1978, something triggers Michael off and, during a storm, manages to steal a car from Dr. Loomis and Nurse Marion and goes back to Haddonfield, where he steals a white mask. There, Laurie Strode finds that Michael is stalking her during the day. At school, at home, she doesn't know who he is. As Dr. Loomis arrives and, with the sheriff, frantically look for Michael, he doesn't know that Laurie is babysitting Lindsay and Tommy and that Laurie's friends Annie, Linda and Bob are disappearing one by one. In the finale, Dr. Loomis arrives at the house just as Michael has finally got to Laurie. Loomis shoots Myers in the chest, he says in the heart, six times and Myers falls from the balcony onto the lawn when Loomis looks again, Michael is gone. Yeah. It's a fair summary there. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, although I think I said October 30th and it's October 31st. <laughs> yeah. So already, so only, only already one into mistake. one mistake, yeah. yeah. The film will, uh, is called The Night Before Halloween. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they but, never yeah. make it. And obviously this is, uh, this is obviously the debut of Michael Myers. So we have uh, Nick Castle playing him. Yes. And I think the film itself is it's just brilliant, man. I mean, th this was a hard one to pick apart because it is a, a you know, it is the high tier of of horror me. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, it literally is out of most horror. Halloween would be credited as one of the greatest horror films of all time. You know, yeah. At a stage when critics were being quite, mm, yeah, it's just another slasher. This wasn't that. This yeah. was the origin of what could be a great, but also inspection into the human mind kind of thing yeah. like it it felt real you know it felt authentic yeah and i think one of the one of the films one of the good things about this film is that it's not overly gory no it's a very suspenseful film um you know it, it did kind of kick start the whole slasher age yeah. you know arguably you had films before that which were which were slashers yes. but i mean this was made for you know 300,000 and then it goes on to make between 60 to 70 million which is a shit ton of money yeah. <laughs> so obviously after this you kind of had all of the other april fools day friday the 13th yeah. night uh what's it from night from night with yeah. jamie Lee curtis <laughs> yes again yeah um, yeah, and I think there was a there was an authenticity about this film. There was a, something about it is the fact that, and this is what makes it scary, and also where we'll touch on that the sequels kind of go off is that this one felt like it could be real. It could be the person who just you're taking out the trash, and then standing there is something in the shadow, and you can't quite see what it is, and it is that 
who's that standing there? And it is, he's, he's, hu- he's human in this one. He yeah. is not some supernatural monster. You know, he is just more of a human character and he's a stalker. Yeah. That's what he is. He is purely a stalker who becomes obsessed with Laurie Strode. And just by chance. Yeah. You know, she, she drops off the um, real estate stuff at the old Myers house, which is been derelict and it's being sold off yeah. and michael myers after escaping has returned home yeah and he's just waiting there and that's when he sees laurie and he kind and that's when the fixation starts from that stage and um, think that i'd never really thought about until i'd actually rewatched it recently is the fact that after that point everybody who dies is an extension of laurie is someone that michael has seen laurie with so later on in the film when laurie gets dropped off by annie michael follows to where annie's gone and then Annie obviously is murdered in the house in quite a shocking and, you know, uh, in the car, which yeah. we might have been like, oh, yeah, he's going to be in the backseat of the car. It wasn't a cliche then. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? But also she gets strangled and it goes on for quite a while and you feel that death. You know what yeah. I mean? She actually is like screeching and squealing. And again, it doesn't feel like an over the top death. It feels like. Someone could legitimately jump out and do this to you. And you know what I mean? that scene is done so well because you have a lot of a lot of the music just builds the suspense. And then as the music kind of starts to die and she gets in the car and you think, oh, you know, she's safe. Then you get the big pang of, you know, the soundtrack and then he pops out and strangles her, you know? Yeah. And I think the whole film itself is just kind of masterfully done. A lot oh, yeah. of the things I love is that you can you see Michael in the background of a lot of shots. Yes. But not and not the kind of ones where, you know, Laurie's in her in school and she's looking for the window and she sees Michael. But the kind of stuff where you don't notice it the first time, maybe. No. Like when, like when Doctor Loomis is at the shop where the mask has been stolen from, and he's kind of saying Michael can be anywhere. Yeah. And then you see Michael you see drive him, by. Yeah, he's drives by, and he does. The car drives by. I think more times than people probably recognise. You yeah. really just take time to just look in the background of a lot of shots, and he's just there because he just is the shape. Yeah. You know what I mean, and um, to go back to my, to my point before, uh, so following from Annie's and masterfully done like you said because the suspense is built so much because by the time she dies you thought she was going to die about probably five or six different times by yeah. that point from her being inside the house she gets stuck outside yeah. outside you know, laundry, doing a laundry yeah, yeah. she comes in and out several times and you think Wait, when's he going to get it you know what I mean he's literally there at one point outside of that laundry yeah. room and you're like oh she's going to get it now and she doesn't and that's what makes it so well done is that they they build and they build. It's not just a quick, oh, here you go. Here you are. You're dead. That's it. Yeah. Bye. We never got to know you. It takes time and you get to know Annie in that scene. She's talking on the phone. She's talking to different people. You see her relationship with uh, Lindsay, yeah. uh, who sees babysitting. And as I said, when we go on to Linda and when we go on to Bob later on, they're in the same house. Yeah. And then Michael goes... And then, like, and he kind of gets distracted when they kind of arrive. And then he finally goes across the street to Laurie's. You know, I mean, he finally heads over there after Tommy Doyle for several scenes has been saying the boogeyman's outside, <laughs> yeah. warning them all, the but no one believes him. Yeah, And yeah, it's just, such, I think it's just such a suspenseful and such a, a masterpiece of a film, you know? It's, yeah. It's hard to, it is hard to pick apart yes. bits of it and say, well, actually, this isn't too well done. And I mean, I can't really think of anything regarding it that I... I've got a couple. Kind of okay, go ahead. Let's, let's hear them. Let's hear so, them, man. Well, maybe we should go through our... Pros and yeah, cons. Yeah, let's go through prongs. So, Pro- I said prongs first. Prongs. <laughs> let's go for our prongs. Where does it go? <laughs> so let's, uh, we've already talked about pros because it's easy to talk about pros yeah. in this film. So um, 
we've talked about yeah we've talked about how he's from the first sight he sees Laura escaping he's obsessed we've already mentioned that suspenseful um, opening scene which we spoke about before yeah and that he's scary that he's a human that he's just an unstable stalker and all the deaths have this real authenticity exception is probably Bob's death where he gets lifted off the ground that's the only time he seems a bit more than human yeah but is when that, he pins him up yeah. against the you know but even that death is fantastically good. it's a great death yeah it just I, I it's just the only one where every other one is kind of like a, a, a slice or a you know a stat yeah. or a, a strangle he, he strangles a lot in this yeah, film. He, strangles he strangles he strangles linda he strangles annie um but my cons so and this is more just it, this was hard to yeah. pick out cons but i was like i've got to find <laughs> i've got to work out the bits there were one or two little inconsistencies now there is a scene um, that goes on for quite a while where we keep shooting back to Dr. Loomis who's standing outside of the Myers house. Okay. And he's standing out there and I don't know if you remember there's a bit when he like scares the kids. Oh yeah, I was coming up to the, the door. second one for some reason. Yeah, but, no, yeah. but it, hey, you yeah, I thought away. it was as well. I thought that was the second one, but it, it's in it's in the first and he's there. And he's there for what seems like ages because you go back and forth to Annie, you go back to Laurie. They've done lots of different activities. And Lewis <laughs> is still just stood outside saying that he's going to wait because he thinks this is where he'll come back. Yeah. Okay. Which he, he was right about, but he's just about a day late. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he stands there for what I kind of figured out was probably about an hour he's standing there, from what I can guess. He's a patient. And man. then suddenly he's been stood there. Like, how much is there to look at? He's literally stood next to the bush. Then after this hour, he finally looks over and goes, there's the car that got taken from me at the beginning <laughs> of the film. It's literally to his left, and he doesn't realise it. Michael's gone by now, so that car's been sat there the whole time that he's arrived and gone. And he's just there like... Maybe he's just staring at Oh, the no, and he must be down the, He must be on the street then, or down the street. I've like, never, no, I never noticed that. Yeah, it just suddenly... It, it suddenly sprang. I was like, why is it? Like, this is a bit of a... There's a little bit, you know... It's not really... A, it's a bit of a plot hole it's not a major thing but it just is this is what i mean it ha i've got to be yeah. a bit nitpicky here and yeah. that is one of the few scenes where i thought all right what what are you doing mate <laughs> like <Yeah>. dr loomis <laughs> like it's been an hour yeah go like Do the car's it. been there like you've just you could have saved half of them then if you got down that road quicker yeah um my other cons um well this this actually this doesn't bother me at all but this is a stickler for some people is how does michael drive how does he know yeah. how to drive I guess, yeah, I guess that. I mean, if, if any of us are, uh, like who drive, but then in America, a lot of cars are automatic. So if it wasn't for the gear shifts, I've got to be honest, I think I could probably pull it off if I could do that. Yeah. You know, it's, in our, in, in, over here, for any American listeners, most of your cars are mainly automatic. Yeah, they are. What do they call it? Stick shift over here or yeah, over there? It's the stick, yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, over here, most of ours are Basically, manual. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like stick. So. And yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe it wasn't automatic. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's still so. a bit of it. He's been in there since he was a child. He's never really, even if his dad took him out for little driving things when he was very little. You wouldn't like, remember, no. would you? No. So it just, like, for some people it's a stickler. I don't, I don't really care. Like, it, you know, you've got to have a little bit of disbelief in these yeah, films. Yeah, you've got to suspend your disbelief a little you know bit. I mean? But the, then, I guess that that is something that I, I kind of always forget about. Yeah. Is that he's, he's he has been right. institutionalized for what like how many years is it? Can't remember how many years he's been away for. Uh, well, he does sixty three, so fifteen years? years. Yeah, yeah. So he would be like twenty one. Yeah, yeah. I, but then uh, it's one of those things of like, did they 
have day trips at this place? And was he watching them then? I don't know. I, don't know. I feel like Loomis would have been against him. Yeah, going I, feel, I feel like he would have. So, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a plot hole. It's a point of but protection. But this is what I mean. Yeah. I've only got three cons in this film. Later on, I've got lots of cons. Yeah. And my final one is just um, is Bob, uh, who makes a joke when they're in the van. And it was a really creepy joke, which I had never noticed before. So uh, Bob is sitting in the van with Linda, and they're talking about what they're going to do when they get to yeah. the house and things like that. And he makes a joke saying, oh, right, all right, so this is what you're saying. So when we go in, I'll take your clothes off, you'll take my clothes off, and then we'll take Lindsay's clothes off. And he makes it like a joke. And I was oh, like, yeah. hey. I was like, I was just like, what? I was like, Annie's in the house as far as you know as well right now. Why not choose Annie as the joke? Because Lindsay's yeah. a little girl, and yeah. now this sounds really creepy. Yeah, I get he's joking and he's messing around with her, but it just came across. I suddenly was like, that's really creepy to talk yeah. about taking a child's clothes off, especially if you're about to rot. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was like sure. why are you put that image as like. Yeah, I feel you... like for most, if you said that to some woman, suddenly she'd be like, yeah, that's really. That, that's no, a turn off. Like, like you'd be putting the charm on, wouldn't like, you? Like it's, it's just a weird. <laughs> it was just a weird, creepy joke. So again, yeah. it's a nitpicky thing. It's just a random scene. Most of these are random scenes. In general, Halloween's a masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, I know we've kind of glazed over it, but that's because there's there's just so many good moments of this film. It's yeah. I feel like with this film, the, the I didn't expect to talk about it too much because it's like, what else is there to say that hasn't been said? A lot yeah. of the sequels get forgotten about. Yeah. So I felt like there's more ground to talk about here. This one is just, he is the perfect embodiment of a shape. That mask is perfect for making him look human. Yeah. But without the features of a human. Yeah. You know, the way that he pops up in scenes, there's not a big death count, but they're spread out nicely across the film. And they're well done. And they're well done. Each one builds and rise. And you, you, apart from probably Bob, you know the other characters fairly well. He's probably the only one that doesn't really yeah. get developed. But. It just is like, you feel like it, it, some people might call it it's slow, but it's so tightly edited That's that it thing. just moves along really quickly. Yeah, it's like, it's not a overly schlocky film and it doesn't have super gore. It doesn't have a high body count, but the pacing's done really well. And yeah. The tension's there and the small things like watching it and realizing that, oh, he's, he's in the background of this scene, but your eyes not drawn to him, that kind yeah. of stuff. And there was always something I found really interesting um, just because I watched something back about Halloween recently. And, you know, when Laurie's looking out the window and she sees him in the sheets that are hanging out? Yeah. He disappears, but she doesn't look away. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, she doesn't look away and he disappears. It's really bad that all I've got in my head is that stupid meme of when she looks yeah. outside. <laughs> and he's dancing. And he's dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just something that always struck me because there is that thing of he's a person, but he's kind of... Yeah, he sub- is. A, he's is, the shape. Like, know, he did say, there. Carpenter did say that he, he, he was designed as this kind of mythical. Um, and this takes me on to my behind the scenes, to be fair, because... Um, so Halloween uh, was based, actually, originally, the idea actually came from Black Christmas. Okay. So Carpenter loved the film Black Christmas. And he, he went to the director of the film and um, an idea that was thrown about for Black Christmas was an idea of um, the killer being alive and escaping a mental facility, which is actually kind of what added to one of the ideas for this film. Okay. Um, and then it kind of built from there where they started going, right, it, they were told the, 
the title by the producers at like Mustafa Akkad. Mustafa, Mustafa, Mustafa Akkad. Akkad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they said they came up with the title. They decided on Halloween. So he already had the title in place, John Carpenter, when they decided. So, okay, how do we do this? Right. Mental Institute. I, he liked that idea already, but they didn't have the title at that time. So he built that in and started building. And he started looking at Halloween, right? How could we deconstruct Halloween and started looking at yeah. Sam Hain? And that kind of, you know, which we go into a lot in the later films, yeah. that kind of Stick legacy. a pin in that for now. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and it was Sam Hain that you can't kill evil and it was born evil. And that, like you're mentioning about, is kind of that supernatural mythical. He wanted that to be present, I think, but he also wanted it to be grounded and real so that you felt like that he could really exist. He yeah. could really be down your street. Um so, a couple more little behind-the-scenes fun little tidbits about this. Uh, the mask. So, the mask cost $1.98. Wow. Uh, from a shop in Hollywood Boulevard, and all they had to do was widen the eyes and spray paint it white, and an icon was born. Yeah. <laughs> so, think about that. It was how a Shatner much mask it for, as well, wasn't you know? it? It was. It was an inside-out Shatner mask. Um, Nick Castle, the, uh, who was, uh, plays Michael, uh, he was hired because he and John Carpenter were university friends, and John Carpenter thought the build of his like the body suddenly reminded it and thought you'd be perfect for this. We want someone who looks human, yeah, but it's he's also tall, a but little bit, a bit, you know, slim, he's still slim, you know. And 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 again, something that's forgotten down the line. Um, he didn't want to cast um the main actress who's my mind Lord, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis I'm looking at the, <laughs> I'm looking at the initials here and I thought I'd remember it and suddenly <laughs> I, I went to um, Jennifer Love Hewitt <laughs> no we, we don't need to any more public apologies man no more <laughs> I can't believe I just forgot the main character's name you know I know um, but um, she was uh, they, he didn't want to he didn't want to cast her he didn't know who she was he didn't watch TV and the main reason that he actually put in an interview for casting her was because she was um, Janet Leah's daughter Janet Leah is um, a psycho, yeah. classic actress, yeah. horror actress, you know, for Hitchcock. And he found that out and he thought that she would make a great scream queen because, partially just because yeah. of her mother of, at the time. What a, what a gamble that was, yeah. man. But what a great... Paid off. Jamie Lee Curtis is now an absolute megastar, you yeah. know. And um, yeah, so that was an interesting... And finally, Dr. Loomis. So Donald Pleasance is classic as Dr. Loomis. Yeah. He, he does it brilliantly. Um, he really plays that, and we didn't mention too much about how much he plays that. Cra- you know, he he's crazy and he's obsessed. Well, uh, for me, but he's on the line. Yeah, Later in this one, he, he gets off. crazier. Yeah, so, he gets very crazy. But this day, he does come across with Sheriff Brackett. He does come across a bit like, okay, you're a bit full on, mate. Yeah, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but originally, um, Peter Cushing was okay. the choice of John Carpenter. I heard it was Christopher Lee. I've got him ah. too. So Peter Cushing apparently was the first choice of John Carpenter. Yeah. Uh, who you'll know from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Christopher Lee from Star Wars as well. Um, <laughs> Peter Cushing wouldn't do it because the pay was not high enough. Okay. Christopher Lee, also, same reason, but his agent was more part of the reason that they turned it down because they were like, that's not enough money. But they yeah. didn't have a lot of money to work with. Um, but Lee himself actually said to Carpenter uh, when he uh, worked with him later down the line, actually said that one of his biggest regrets was never taking on the role of Dr. Loomis because he thought Halloween was a masterpiece of a film. It would have been, I can't imagine what the series would have been like if Christopher Lee had been cast. I don't know. Yeah, I feel weird, like he, he's, he's always been very willing to continue with films, though. He's done a lot of franchises, a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of those kind of films. So I feel like he probably would have continued fairly yeah. like 
Donald Pleasance was, but then I can't imagine Donald Pleasance wasn't greatly in demand, I think, as it, it went on. We did a lot so, with Whereas Christopher Lee very much was yeah. in demand. Um, so I don't know if the money would have become a thing, because I can't imagine Donald Pleasance was paid. It was probably the highest paid probably, yeah. for the sequels, but I can't imagine as the sequels dwindled that he got paid that much, so... Christopher yeah, Lee probably would have gone off because he would have yeah. been doing. But then again, he went off and did Lord of the Rings and things like that. So he didn't exactly do badly, did he? he <laughs> no, did he Star didn't. Wars, Lord of the Rings. He was, yeah, Count Dooku and Saruman. You know, <laughs> what so, more do you want? Let's have. Um, so I've done also on mine. I've done mask level for me. Okay, so I didn't my do own. That. Little, I remember a lot of them though. Is, yeah, I, well, I've just given my own little. I, I was trying to think of how do I describe what the masks are. And I've kind of just done stupid little uh, ways of <laughs> describing each one. So my mask level is, it's the OG, baby. Yeah. <laughs> right. You can't, you, there's nothing to say, but it's the OG. It, it, is it, the it OG. defines the It defines the character. Uh, there are several variations that are just as fantastic, but it's the original. It made the character. Yeah. It wouldn't have been as successful without that mask, I don't think, because no, that almost. mask stands out. Yeah. The way it stands out in the shadows. Like, he can be standing there, and you don't recognize him at first, and then slowly that fate... It's just and it looks almost human. Yeah, it? it does. And one of the one of the things that I really love about what they do with the mask changes a little bit later, and we'll pick up on this. But is they black the eyes out? Yeah, so you can't see the eyes. I love that. Yes. But what was your favorite kill of this film? So my favorite kill, um, I think my favorite kill was the opening scene because that oh, opening sure. scene okay. is like there were lots of great kills in it. But I just decided which is the one that had the biggest impact to me, and that opening scene has forever been one of my, pro- actually maybe my favorite horror moment of all time. Right, that opening damn. scene just the second I watched it when I was a kid, I was what is this? What drawn in? And I was shocked by the reveal. But the death just it's it's a kid, and the fact that you follow from his point of view is just yeah. you know um, it. I don't know what to say. It's just amazing. I, I, I absolutely love it. And that was my favourite kill. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, What's your favourite kill? My favourite kill is actually Bob. Bob, yes. I, Bob. There's something about it because I think it just, it comes out of nowhere. You know, he's, Bob's just like going to get a beer. Man's just laid pipe. <laughs> and he's going to go get a beer, yeah. which he just wants to chill. He's getting a beer for, um, for Linda. And, then my, you know, Michael Myers just bursts out of a cupboard, holds him up against the wall, and pins him in with one thing. Yeah. And like we said, it is a bit like, okay, it's a bit. It's the kind most of over, the, over top. the top of the film, but it's not in. It's not as over. Well, <laughs> we'll it's not as over top as over top later. later. <laughs> but it's like, but it's just so good. Yeah. You know, no, it's a great death. So let's move on to Halloween Two, which was released in 1981. The director this time was Rick Rosenthal, and it was written and produced by, yet again, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Now, the budget for this one went up quite a bit, and it was rocking in about $2.5 million, and the yeah. box office for this was $25.5 million. So already... So, still a solid... Yeah, still a solid... You ten know, times. Yeah, <laughs> ten times. Still, That's a, still a, big a, one. a box office smash. Yeah. And Michael Myers was not portrayed by uh, Nick Castle this time. He was, portrayed, <laughs> he was portrayed by Dick Warlock, which is a <laughs> badass name. You oh, know, yeah. I love it. It's it, amazing. Yeah. The second you pointed Dick Warlock out to me, I think, I think um, there's a little obsession. Every time Dick Warlock comes up, I think he's on every of my pros where it's just Dick Warlock. No other no reason, but Dick Warlock. And I've put Chad name. <laughs> and in the, in the Cast Me to Hell, uh, you know, messenger chat, I've changed my name to Dick Warlock. <laughs> I've changed Sebs to a George P. Wilbur, who we're chatting later. And I've changed Dan, our producer, to uh, Kane Hodder. Because... 
I think those are the most two badass names, George George P. Wilbur and Dick Warlock. <laughs> <laughs> but a brief kind of plot summary for this one. So it's set immediately after Halloween. Laurie Strode is taken into hospital, and Dr. Loomis continues to hunt for Michael Myers around Haddonfield um, after he goes outside of the house and he sees that Michael has vanished. Yes. Uh, Michael follows Laurie to the hospital and starts killing off the staff in an attempt to find Laurie. Dr. Loomis reveals that Michael and Laurie are actually brother and sister, and Michael eventually tracks Laurie down, who has woken up from being sedated, and chases her through this hospital. Uh, Michael chases Laurie and Dr. Loomis into an operating room and he is blinded. Um, I believe he gets his eyes stabbed. And Loomis and Laurie then fill the room with gas and Loomis sacrifices himself to blow up Michael. But Michael still pursues Laurie whilst on fire before he eventually falls to the floor and dies. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, there's some, some of the pros for this film are that there's some great shots and some great cinematography. You know, you have uh, bits where Michael is kind of in this maternity unit and he's he's stalking one of the nurses there and he's surrounded by, you know, little kids, like babies, man. And then they're, they're yeah. not crying, they're motionless. Mm. And then it flips to a conversation between uh, this nurse who's late and she's working the maternity ward, who he's stalking, and her boss. And they're having a conversation talking. And behind them, in the darkness, you can just see Michael watching in this maternity ward. And it's it, there's something really quite sinister about it. Um, and there's a bit at the very start of the film. Um, you know, Halloween 1, the ending shot is Michael Myers breathing over shots of Haddonfield. Each of the places yeah. that we've been to in Haddonfield. Each of the places yeah. we've been to and some other houses and stuff like that. And the implication there is that he can be he can be anywhere. You don't know where he is. You know, evil's all around us, that kind of thing. And I really like the parts where Michael is kind of walking around on the hunt. And he walks into a, you know, he walks into a house um, and there's a husband and a wife oh, yeah. watching TV. An amazing scene. Yeah. And the wife's kind of making him like a sandwich or something like that. And it, yeah, yeah, again, it's like from the viewpoint of the TV and you see the husband watching it and you see the wife kind of having a, having a nag at him <laughs> and the husband being a bit of a dick. And you see Michael just walk in and he picks up a kitchen knife and then he just walks out and he leaves them. And he makes no noise. He makes no attempt to kill them. It's just in and out and then when she yeah. turns around to kind of pick the knife up to keep cutting like ham or something <laughs> or beef she just touches this blood and then she screams and it's just such a you know it's great and uh there's this scene where michael has been hit in the eyes and it looks like he's crying blood yeah and that's so cool so i think it was actually i think it said stab but i think it's actually shot it's shot, shot in the eyes yeah oh shit I don't because I remember sitting there being, how the hell did she? Because it's Laurie, yeah, who gets the two. And I remember sitting there going, how the fuck did she do that? Like, how did she get exactly the shots into both? And that's what I remember being a little bit of a, oh, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about that, yeah. but it looks awesome. I it's always amazing. Got stabbed or slashed, but it looks, it looks so cool. I thought it was, that's blood. what I always remembered it as. But I'm fairly, I sat there like when I watched it the other night, and I was like, she, I forgot she shot it. I was like. Okay, I, yeah. I don't know how you did that and how he's not fully <laughs> I mean, dead. But. Good aim, man. Um, and Donald Pleasance is still great in this film. You know, he has some strong lines and he has, he has really good delivery. The, the thing about these films is that a lot of the time, some of the main acting is a bit hit and miss, but Donald Pleasance, because he was, I think he was a classically trained actor, he's always really good. Yeah. And he has some really good delivery. You know, there's times where he's like, 
this is going to be a really bad impression of him. <laughs> but he's like, it's time, Michael. <laughs> you know, when he's talking about trying to kill him. And then he's like, I shot him six times. Yeah. I shot him six uh, times. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go I'm a, a little bit. Like, Donald Pleasance is always a fantastic actor. Uh, and he's, he's great in all of the films in his way because he's so good as a character. But I've actually got him on my cons list. Oh, shit. Because although he's, well, it's kind of, he'd kind of fall on a bit of both. He's in the middle because he's very good as the actor. But I felt that most of the time what he was doing was, was an exact repeat of what he did in the last film. I felt like all he did was go around with a different cop and explain the exact same stuff he'd explained in the first yeah. film to a new sheriff, to a, not the sheriff, but to a new cop. And I just started to feel a very like yeah. there there are some brilliant standout scenes and the bit at the end is fantastic. Oh yeah, it's with got Play, and he does great a, a great job you know. there. Um, but I do admit his dialogue, I quite often felt it was a bit uninspired. I oh, felt I like you've repeated, you're just repeating lines to me. And if anyone knows the first film, they already know this information, so you don't need all of this. He's an exposition character, you know. What I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. He is, but. In the other, even in the sequel, he's not as the same note. Whereas this one, I felt he was very much almost the exact same as he was in the last film. I didn't feel much of a difference. I felt like he was just explaining the same stuff over and over. Well, I guess if it's the same night, it's the same night. I I understand that, but it's more as as a viewer, do I want to sit there and listen to him (laughs) saying the same stuff? With him, I was a little bit like, all right, let's let's get you know, yeah, let's get back to what's going on because we know this already. Apart from and the bit when he told told us about that, Laurie is the sister. I actually. It, it happens Dr. very Marion quickly, reveals that, isn't it? Yeah, Mar- yeah. Marion reveals it, but when they're talking to each other, I thought that bit went by very quickly, so much that I kind of missed it. The first, I had to go back because I was like, "Is that the bit?" I swear that's the bit when they tell Laurie, but I've missed it because it was just like <laughs> just so, it felt like it happened so quickly. So it's just kind of a thrown out there kind of thing, um, and we'll, we'll come back to that yeah. as a twist in a minute. Well, um, well, one of the cons for me was. Um, was that going back to what you were saying about him just being with another cop? Was was the absence of Sheriff Brackett? Yeah. Now I really liked Sheriff Brackett in the first film. I think he was really good. Um, and obviously his daughter is Annie, who gets strangled by Michael. Yeah. And I thought it would have been really good if he'd have been in this film, um, and he'd have had that kind of emotional revenge, revenge kind, kind of. of angle to it. Yeah. I felt that was a wasted opportunity. I don't know why he wasn't in this film. I mean, it took it took. It was actually it filmed like it three years be. later. Yeah. So it could have been schedule, yeah. scheduling, you know, with the problems. But it feels like that's a really missed opportunity to yeah. have. Um, to, it, to it's have kind him. of one of those where, where I thought, so that was what I did think it was a wasted opportunity in one way. Um, although I could see the flip side of it. Like, you know, I could understand why he wasn't part of it. it you know, we see the aftermath of Annie's death, which is why I was hoping we'd get to see his reaction to that. Because at first I was thinking, I swear he sees it. But at first I was thinking, because it takes quite a while before it gets to that point, yeah. actually. So I was I was thinking, oh, maybe maybe they don't have a show. Maybe that was just in my head. And then we do actually get to see it, which I was happy about. But I do think it's un- understandable why he's not around at the same time. Yeah, I His get daughter's it, but... dead. He has to go off with her. And I also think... It's it's a weird thing where this is and this kind of plays into another like uh, kind of a pro for me, but this film is balancing the line between the subtlety and suspense of the original 
and beginning to show cliches and features and be a little bit over the top. Yeah. You know, it's kind of balances the line yeah, between them. Yeah, it tries. Like it goes a little bit towards the kind of cliches of some of the characters and the other way. And I feel like the Sheriff Backett for one is actually staying fairly within the grounded realism that he yeah. would be taken away. He wouldn't be allowed to go and run about the streets and go in like... But then again, A madman on the yeah. list. But, but then, then again, I mean... Loomis wouldn't have been allowed to keep going <laughs> no. with them the way he does anyway. But So I kind of see both sides of it. Yeah. So like, and, but I'll admit, like, they they don't play out apart from with Laurie. They they don't always play out the revenge one very very no. much in these films. And sometimes it does feel like that could have been played up a bit more as a more interesting yeah. angle for and some that, characters. And that was another con for me. Kind of talking about Laurie is that she spends a majority of this film sedated. Yes. Um, and we obviously know that's because that's I believe she was busy filming. Was she busy filming Prom Night around the time? Um, I believe she was busy filming another. Another slasher film. Yeah, I, I haven't got which film she was doing. I think she'd already done. I think she did Prom Night fairly soon after. Well, Prom Night was released in 1980. I do know that she didn't want to. Re she wasn't that interested. I think she was already starting to get bigger projects, possibly even yeah. away from horror films, because she yeah. wasn't stuck in horror films for too long. Uh, but she did what, quite a few in the first kind yeah. of early 80s, didn't yeah. she? Yeah, she was kind of in that for a little while, but she did manage to escape it. Fairly quick. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't know her as well today. Yeah, because you know, not. when you get stuck into that heart, you kind of come and go within a few yeah, years. Yeah, particularly um, when when the eighties, they were kind of churning out yeah. horror films, weren't they? But, yeah. yeah, but for so her, I don't think yeah. she was that interested. And I think a busy schedule as well helps the fact that it was just kind of a let's get this done. And that was the same case on a lot of. So we know yeah. that in a lot of cases, we know that John Carpenter and Deborah Hill had no interest in actually making a sequel to this film. Well, that's why they passed it on to. Um, Rick Rosenfeld. Rick Rosenfeld. Yeah. It was originally going to be uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, who we'll speak about. Yeah, coming up, but he, you know, John Carpenter basically just and Deborah Hill just basically wanted to kind of get on with it and not really do this. And obviously, John Carpenter around this time was doing, you know, he was doing The Fog, and I think he did Escape from New York, which was which badass film. Yeah, Kurt Russell and Amazing. Donald Pleasance and Isaac Hayes <laughs> and a bunch of people. Um, and I think he possibly started writing or you know looking at redoing the thing so he had a lot of projects on it go and i mean i think he just wanted to kind of get done with Halloween. well he because he was contractually obliged to free yeah. films so to in order to make his like to have the creative control he got with the first halloween he pretty much had to agree to make more films for um I still can't say it properly. How do you, Mustafa Akkad. Mustafa Akkad. I should remember. I believe that. it's Mustafa because yeah. it's M O U. Yeah, Lion King. Mustafa. <laughs> yeah, the Lion King. Uh, so, yeah, but, yeah um, he and as we come up again, he 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 as a producer comes up as quite a a thorn in the side of quite a lot of moments going yeah, forward. Yeah, definitely. But him and John Carpenter definitely were not really on the same side for no, most they of these films. Um, and uh, he did want the first one was meant to be just a like a, a, a one and cliffhanger done. ending, yeah. and it would never be kind of revealed. So he made sure that this one had what he thought was going to be a definitive ending for Michael Myers, which is when he burns at the end. Yeah. It's implied that that's it; that it's over. And that's a great ending. Yeah, I love that ending. It's it works. It works fantastically. The burning body and the effects are brilliant. Yeah, I'm not sure how they did that, man. Yeah, it literally, because it does seem as though he's burning, but his body is breaking down. But as even if he's falling, it looks like his body's kind of already, like, burning away. So yeah. it really is an impressive shot. It's really shot. well done. Um, um, but for me, I like the start of this film. Um, I think it's really good. Uh, and I love the ending. Once Laurie wakes up and um, she 
you know, realizes Michael's there and they're running away from him. And there's that bit where he just stone cold walks through the glass door. That's amazing. But a lot of, uh, but most of this film for me is just really filler and it feels very by the wayside. There's the, and there's the one bit which I think is absolutely like dog shit ridiculous. Um, A lot of the kills are quite cool, but, or they're kind of all right. But there's that one where, the, the new police officer, I can't even remember his name. That's how much of a forgettable character he is. He's, he's, he shoots Michael. Michael lies on the floor. And then he goes over to check his body. Yeah. And then Michael gets like a scalpel or something. And then just like holds him up and slits his throat. And it, that, it's a, it's probably, it probably takes place in about five to ten seconds. But the guy just showed... Oh, he uh, drops. He just drops dead he, straight away, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does no resistance. No, yeah, he literally, nothing against yeah. it. Yeah, he gets like held, yeah. <laughs> and then he said, and his throat slipped without moving, and it's like there's there's actually quite. I noticed I, this happens a fair few times in in Halloween. Actually, fair few people get their throat cut, and it's just like gone, lights out. I understand shock may be a factor here, but they always just seem rather ridiculous because most of the time. You know, it's not something that would actually kill you straight away. It would nor you'd yeah. normally be gagging for your life and then die, but it's and just so quick. It's like it's just for editing purposes. They yeah. want to go right. You gotta <laughs> die quick so we can get onto the next. Person. And not only that, but if if you if, if somebody's trying to kill you, you put up resistance. Yeah. You try and fight. This guy literally like yeah. This guy literally just like checks the body and then and then gets rolled over and then gets his head <laughs> held up and his throat slit without moving. <laughs> And it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, it is. I mean, it it it's an entertaining sequel, but it's an uninspired sequel. Yeah, it, it doesn't really drive anything forward. It doesn't really have much of a purpose, and it does become a bit of a by the numbers slasher kind of yeah. thing. Once he's in the hospital, and I I love the hospital setting. Yeah, it's a great setting, but, but... It, it, it does become by the numbers. And some de- deaths, I've got to be honest, some deaths like you just said with that one, they just don't work and they don't suit they so don't have much suspense or anything to them yeah there's, there's this one which has a really long build-up where you keep seeing the dripping of blood somewhere yeah and you don't find out what happens for ages and then finally they show that the um the nurse nurse her character's nurse jackie yeah and you see her that she's been pegged up with her, a drip that's basically letting yeah. all the blood flow out of her body and you can't really see anything else on there except for that drip has just been basically dripping away as if he's just like pinned her up and let her do that and I'm just, I was just sat there going, that's not a Michael kill. No. Michael's not like, like he's pr- more primal than that. He's more quick and strangle you, you know, yeah. deep, like slit your throat, like that kind of thing. I, I, it just makes me laugh when I just think of Michael there, just like slowly trying to put all of the parts of the drip to, you know, <laughs> setting it all up, putting it inside of her, la- like laying her out just so that this blood effect could happen. And I just think, that's not a Michael death. You know what I mean? If she was just strangled like they're dead, but what, like he sometimes does little theatric things. Like even in the first one, he does the, the ghost sheet with yeah. Bob, but I'm just still there. Like this doesn't, this that doesn't match. That one feels about out of place. Yeah, it There's some that he does quite... later on where he kind of plays with people, which I think are so well done. So cool. But, yeah. but yeah, a lot of the, a lot of this film and, feels very, and Laurie, yeah, even me. though Laurie does get started, she hasn't got much more of a role except for just to run away. Yeah, basically. You know, and I'm trying to just see if there's anything else that I've got. Oh, there is one thing that I really enjoyed, liked was the callback. Um, the, the scene where, uh, Loomis, and uh, the other uh, cop, who again I don't know what his Mr. name is, Mister Mister Cop, Mister Cop, blonde boy, <laughs> blonde boy, um, cop. he uh, 
uh, Loomis thinks he's seen Michael walking down the street. It's oh, a with different ben, match, yeah, isn't with it? Ben Tramer. Ben Tramer. And I love that. I didn't. I didn't realize it was a callback. I, I. They just said Ben Tramer, and I don't know why. In the past, I don't think I'd rec- realized it until this time. I was like Ben Tramer. It's Laurie's high school crush, who they talk about all the time in the first film. I've really. Yeah, Ben Tramer is. Who, I didn't know that. Who they're ringing on the phone? No way. Saying you fancy Ben Tramer? I'll ring Ben Tramer. For- for you tomorrow that's ben tramer Share. it's laurie's high school so, i didn't laurie, know that yeah, laurie's high school boyfriend and the second i suddenly went out i was like ah oh, that's a, I didn't that's know a that. clever little throwback so that death has a lot more meaning now i love ben tramer's death because i i a lot in, in some of the later halloween sequels we see people dressing up as michael myers yeah. but that's because it's from the town and it makes sense but in this film there's just something about a man wearing the same outfit as michael myers yeah. it's just, just so ridiculous like on the same me. night walking yeah yeah um, and i love it so but i guess because he took it from a costume store that it makes sense except it's got weird it's got like blonde bleach blonde <laughs> yeah. and hair, just, like, sticky um but yeah that that suddenly i didn't I know realize this time i was just like because we watched it back to back i only noticed it i was like ben Trimmer, where have i heard that before? oh it's, ben, i didn't know it's that her, it's her wannabe boyfriend a high school crush i didn't know that i was like oh that's a nice little callback there well what was your what was whilst we're talking about some of the kills, what was your favourite kill? Um, so my favourite kill um, was the uh, rehabilitation pool scene, Ooh. where it's heated up. She just murdered the uh, the ambulance driver. He's murdered yep. her in the back. She doesn't realise, doesn't notice. She gets out saying it's too hot, and then Michael walks in, grabs her for you know, gra- kind of chokes her a little bit, grabs her from behind, and dunks her head yeah, over, over and over and over until you start to see it. And it's a great effect where each time she comes out, more skin is peeling yeah. off of her face until, yeah, until she's dead. And I, d- I just thought, oh, that I-, I liked that as like a quick, like quite vicious, quite brutal. But yeah, it was part of a, you know, part of a, a kind of sexy scene kind of thing. Yeah. But I liked the fact that he took them both out in like a, neither of them kind of noticed each other yeah. kind of thing he was there in the shadows kind of thing just came out at her and it's a brutal death man it is it's definitely a death you would not like to receive. <laughs> <laughs> well my my uh my favorite death is actually i can't remember her name i don't think it's nurse jackie because she's already dead by then but it's the other nurse who gets stabbed in the back and then kind of held up in the air yes, with that, that one hand that would have been my other choice yeah it's, it's a great great death where it just and you do kind of see it's digging a little bit along the yeah. sides it's kind of ripping through her and there's just something about the simplicity of it and just the fact that he's it's just so like <laughs> I d- it just feels so and off. he just pops out doesn't it? yeah he just, just from the side it's just it's a night it's a nice little jump kind of out he comes there he yeah. is oh my god and, and the reaction on her face as well it's just like complete <sighs> shock just like well you, if you imagine if you, yeah imagine if you got stabbed in the back which would be bad enough <laughs> and then you get hoisted up in the air in front of people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that'd be a fucking weird death and well, some behind-the-scenes stuff before we move on. Yeah. Um, so originally the sequel was due to be set years later uh, with Michael tracking Lloyd to a new home in some high-rise flats um, but was eventually rewritten to what we got. And it would have been interesting to kind of see that film but that kind of feels like it would break some of the continuity and it would kind of, I don't know, I quite like the idea that it takes place on the same night. I've, I think that's one of the things this film does have. Yes. Um, and Michael and Nori being related was not in the original script either. And that does become a big part of the story. It does. Um, and it kind of still is kind of in the in the films up till today, in a way. Um, and initially, they, they, they were looking at doing it in 3D as well, <laughs> which yeah. would have been interesting. Classic for the time. But yeah, the, the, the lorry thing is a bit of a stickler. 
and I know that John I know that John Carpenter regretted writing that part yeah. of the film because it does kind of take out the kind of it, it makes it less scary. Yeah, it the does. Fear of anyone just suddenly becoming that obsessed and stalker. It sets up a lot of the make, sequels, and it but... it sets up the sequels, but it makes it all from you know the, the sequels do then get bogged down with family ties. Yeah, it know? gets a bit. It does keep going like that. I have got one last thing to my okay. uh, my mask. Score oh yeah, for your this mask one. score. Let's see what it so, is. So um, for the mask score for this one was glorious, and glorious. I, I actually think it's I actually think it is probably my favorite mask. I oh, think okay. it's better than I think it's better than the original. It because uh, I actually own this mask. <laughs> oh yeah, you do, don't I you? Did, like, I, I researched a long time deciding which one's the nicest of the mask, and I decided that hit that that halloween 2 one there's just something about it it just is in the the color the tone it just kind of in the background because yeah. the first one was made a bit cheaper this one's had a little bit more money into it and, yeah you know, even the eyebrows aren't too defined so you can't really see them that well yeah and it just when it's in the shadows it just pops so nicely it just is its own little standard feature and as i said before rick rick rossenfall with the director and uh, he's probably well at least uh, uh, like for most of the sequels He's probably the only one to capture it as close as John Carpenter does to that suspense yeah. and style in the background. Um, so, yeah, that's glorious. Oh, well, <laughs> this is what I'm going with. I, I, like I love that. I like that one, man. Okay. Hall- uh, let's move on. Two. So this one's a little bit different. We're in a completely different um, universe for this one. Um, Halloween Free, Season of the Witch from 1982. Uh, written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, the as we mentioned earlier, the original pick for Halloween 2. Uh, the budget was $2.5 million, so the same as Halloween 2. And the box office was $14.4 million, so quite a drop from Halloween yeah, 2's definitely. money. Uh, definitely not seen as a big success. Right, so every with certain films, you'll know when it's getting more convoluted with the plot because the summary will get a lot <laughs> get longer. longer and longer, man. Um, okay, so the film opens with a man named Harry Grim- Grimbridge being chased by mysterious men in suits. He eventually escapes them and arrives at a gas station, clutching a pumpkin Halloween mask made by the Silver Shang- Shamrock Novelties <laughs> Company. Harry is taken to a local hospital and is placed under the care of Dr. Dan Chalice, an alcoholic who is struggling with his ex-wife. Harry is then killed by a man in a suit. Gets the fingers through the eyes. (laughs) Before the man blows himself up in a car. Dan is later in a bar and is confronted by Ellie, who is Harry Grimbridge's granddaughter and wants to know what happened. They track the company to its factory in Santa Mira, California. The company is headed up by Conal Cochran, who has stolen a stone from Stonehenge, <laughs> Stonehenge and put the power into the masks and is aiming to sacrifice children wearing the mask throughout America to bring back the age of witchcraft. Cochran kills the family who he has invited to the factory as a demonstration, which is an awesome scene. Um, Dan escapes and kills everyone using the power of Stonehenge before escaping. <laughs> Ellie turns out to be an android, so Dan bashes, bashes her in. Uh, yeah, you can tell I was having fun when I wrote these. You're enjoying this. Dan eventually ends up at the gas station that Harry Grimbridge was at and calls the TV stations, managing to get the commercial which will complete the sacrifice off the air from two of the three stations. The film ends with Dan pleading for the commercial to be taken off as off the third channel as it's happening dark ending yeah <laughs> which is, yes and this film is 
I, I don't know. Part of me loves it. Part of me thinks, what the fuck is going on? And yeah. it's like the weirdest acid trip ever. It's so weird. It's, I mean, uh, f- for me straight away, I, it's a fun experiment for yeah. me. It, 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 it works in some ways. I mean, I like the fact that the film kind of plays on like the commercialism of Halloween. Yeah, I like, kind of like a lot of messages and that. And it's kind of like the inhuman toy production companies, which is no offense to like Hasbro, but you're evil. <laughs> yeah, basically. And I, I, I mean, I love Tom Atkins in most things he does. Tom Atkins is great. And like, like I've put in my prose here, you know, it's heavily implied that Tom Atkins shags most of the women in this film. <laughs> he does. You know, he, he, he balls his ex-wife. He balls one of the nurses he works with. Yeah. He balls Ellie. You know, it's just like it's just Tom Atkins just shagging. I mean, I I I think as an actor, like because he was in the Fog as well. He was in the Fog, he? yeah, which is uh, why I think he, he's very good in most of them. But I got be, I got to be honest, as a character, as the lead character, I did not like him. Oh really? <laughs> I did not like him as a lead. I thought he came across as. Well, for starters, he just doesn't seem like a lead and mad. I know your protagonists need to have... A good protagonist will normally have a lot of faults. You and know a what sick I mean? moustache. <laughs> the moustache helps. Yeah. But a lot of protagonists will normally have, you know, problems and faults. And yes, he's the same. But I just thought he was not a good protagonist. The way he's portrayed as a person, he's not someone to ever root for. No, he's not. And that's the weird thing. And they make him... I mean, to me, they make him such like a such a cliched character that he's you know he's, he's an alcoholic <laughs> yeah and he's and he's uh you know he's bad father, bad father and he's you know bad husband well he's, he's his ex-wife yeah. but you know and he's in it just you know they they but try and make the way it, yeah. they the way they sell him as a character is like he's a doctor so even though he does all this other bad stuff he must be good for <laughs> he is a doctor yeah and it's also like he doesn't seem like a guy who would actually give a shit to do this investigation. No, he doesn't. Like, he's not sold at all. He doesn't seem like... And there's not really much given for actual full-on motivation why he'd actually bother to chase it down, except maybe that he wants to shag Ellie. Which is basically... Like, basically his motivation yeah. for everything in this film. And that's the thing. Like, the opening of this film is really awkward. This film has a great score. And, oh, you know, yeah. Chariot of, Chariots of Pumpkins, which is what John Carpenter called the theme... It's great, and the whole you know the whole oh, score yeah. is great. It's such an '80s sci-fi techno kind yeah. of like oh yeah. It's a, it, but it's the opening of the film is so awkward. It is. So, so we see um, Harry Harry Grimbridge running away from these two men in this car, and he gets pinned down by one of them. Uh, and there's a you know there's like a, a car near him, and he pulls one of the blocks for the wheels off. And then this, I mean, we know it's an android now, but at the start of the film, you don't. Yeah. But the car just like slowly rolls down and slowly and hits him. And he's just like emotionless. Like, yeah. Uh, and like, it feels so awkward. It's yeah. not until, you know, Tom Atkins gets involved it's not until where the it plot starts, starts to, to get fixed. And even then, I don't think it really starts until they actually get to factory to yeah. the factory and, and even, and even then Rock. you know whilst it's great that tom atkins just shags everyone like i've put that in the cons you know tom atkins just shags ellie which is weird because when they first get to the hotel when they go to uh santa mira to kind of back track this mask down and what's going on and track down harry's kind of what his last day and that kind of stuff he's really insistent that he's got to sleep in the car and he's not going to stay in the same room as her it feels like a real guilt trip 
kind of thing. I, yeah. thought, I felt like he's really trying to be like, oh, I guess I'll have to go here. Or oh, I guess I'll go here. Like as if he's trying to be like. I thought he was being really insistent. I thought he was like, no, you know, I'm, I'm not going. Yeah, it felt, but it felt like he knew. Like, I, I don't know why. Just so <laughs> for the character just made me feel like, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. You know you're going to shag. And, and then, then he shags her. And it yeah, feels so out of place. It's so yeah, it like I like so yeah. Watching with my partner, and her, her just being like, no, no, like what, like that doesn't make any sense. And I was there like, no, there's zero chemistry. It's yeah. a ham-fisted romance. It does not make any like it doesn't work. Yeah, they look the age difference is <laughs> yeah, weird for yeah, one. It's very weird. And yeah, so uh, Stacy Nelkin, who was the actress who played Ellie, yeah, um, she's doing her best, but she's obviously hired to look nice for Tom Atkins. <laughs> and again, <laughs> yeah. his uh, this is the bit where I really was like, okay, you're a real creep. So again, his character he asks her how old she is. Ooh, I didn't know. That he asks her in one seat how like about how old she is. After he shagged her three or four times. Oh. <laughs> and I'm just like, you've already banged her. What does it matter now? Yeah. It's like, well, he needs to know if he's going to, if he's going he's to jail good, or not. He's not a good dude. <laughs> How long he's going to get. Exactly. And it feels like, yeah, it literally, I was sat there going, I know there's imperfect protagonists, but the best guy, the, like, this dude probably, I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh, this dude worked for the BBC in the 60s and 70s, didn't he? This dude is a proper fuck. <laughs> this dude's been to Epstein Island. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what's going on here, man? Um, but, the, but there was like... Um... <laughs> so far, we've just bashed Tom. We've either given pros or cons of Tom Atkins. Well, I mean, I don't know if you're... Because D- we watched the same DVD. I don't know if your DVD skipped it in did. this film. Yes, it did skip So something. it skipped from... Them I mean, arriving at the factory and having a tour round with the, with this family called the, the Kupfers, which yeah. felt a bit like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory kind of family <laughs> to me. They're the ones who die, and when they when you know oh, for the experiment, I love I love that. That is that an is amazing a great scene. scene. Um, but they kind of fit, just felt a bit like a caricature of like a Willy Wonka family. Um, yeah, it did feel a little bit. Even the theme tunes were a little bit Wonka-y. Yeah, <laughs> you know and, what I mean. But um, so for me. They arrive at this factory. They get invited on a tour round, and then my DVD starts skipping, yeah, <laughs> and he, part. Tom Atkins, had been captured, and I. So I don't know if there was I, any. I had to. Yeah, I. Uh, oh, this this is a problem with the, that disc for some reason. Has always always done that. Actually. That's so annoying, man. I had to. Re, you have to re- rewind to the point just before it starts to skip. So I did manage to go back to see how he got captured. And okay. Things like that. And is the is it implied when they get to the factory? I mean, this is what really confused me because it, it either sets up the film well for the next part or it makes no sense. But when they get to the factory, does Ellie get taken away and killed and then replaced with an android? Or is she always an android? No. Um, I believe she gets taken away and she's... I've, I, she's, I, she's human, I believe, until... She has to. She gets taken because away. Because otherwise, why would you bring... Dr. Tom Atkins to the town to sabotage your plan. It makes yeah. no sense. So surely, we, no, he's that. I, she she gets swapped out and she gets killed. We don't see that. No, all, which is kind of what makes it a good twist later on. It that's one. Of I the did like that, that works. It I was that a was good cool. twist. And when he bashes her in with her own arm, yeah. that was really cool, man. It, it like that was a good. Twi- although uh, as a, as a scene, I did feel that it went on too long. Where it's yeah. like bash her in and then she's back and then her hand and then it's just it was just like okay come on we got the point let's yeah. move on now, um, but yeah it, it is implied that she disappears and then comes back and then there's a whole he gets captured again one of my cons is the fact that we have a lot of characters who get very undeserved deaths the family you know I get it but they kind of watch and watch the child which is kind of a shock scene yeah that and that's good um, too, but that's chance. a good that's a good one um, they have. Um, 
Dan Atkins, uh, the the one who's doing all of the investigation into the the dead android from the beginning. Um, oh yeah, the, the the was that Dick Warlock? <laughs> no, not Dick Warlock. The one that burns himself in the car. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, she's investigating that, and, then she and gets she gets the, the drill. drill. That's awesome. Um, oh, the deaths are cool, man. The deaths are the deaths are cool, but there was so many undeserved. But for some reason, it's like with that seed. Um, to- Tom Atkins, Dan, he gets captured, but so far they've pretty much been quite easy to just kill everyone. It it doesn't really make sense why they're just keeping him. You yeah, know what I mean, why are you keeping him and explaining all of this to him? He's just a doctor. He doesn't got anything to do. Just why kill him. Are you just not bash just his head him? Why yeah. haven't you killed him? <laughs> um, and I know that this is a common thing of a lot of horror films or even just films in general. You know, it's like the old, it's like the old James Bond thing. You know, tell him the whole story, and yeah. again, he's like. Connery. Have a slow track. He's like Connery's Bond. He's like twelve no's and a yes means a yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does have that. Tell, kind I don't of like. Vibe. I don't really like his character. That's um, right. I hope you like Tom Atkins because I like. Atkins I like Tom Atkins. I just <laughs> find him proper pervy in this film. In this film, good. Um, I feel like I've talked about a lot of. Ne- let, let me have a look at my pros. Yeah, have a look at your let pros. Pros, because well, I've got a fair few pros here, more than I thought. Yeah, I let's have a look have. at some of those pros. Um, Dan O'Hurley as Colonel Cochrane. He's hammy. He's cheesy, but, but he's works. quite a menacing. Yeah. He works for the role of what the film is. And know? I like, yeah, and you I know. like the whole idea that this town's kind of run by Silver Shamrock Silver and he kind of has that. Yeah. You know. So that, his performance works for me. Um, and I really the, like the ending. I thought it was the a ending, great ending, yeah. I've got the ending. Ambiguous, on here. dark. Yeah. Just fun. Just good. Dark, effective. And I like, I like the fact that no. The, the the no I've written here. I like the fact that the no good lead does nothing, saves no one. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. It doesn't really save anybody. Yeah, because everyone dies around him. Because they all flip onto. And the... then all of the children are basically implied by the end that both the children watching those channels are now going to be turned yeah. into things. Although um, that's an interesting point. Is obviously the big you know the whole idea is that everybody buys these masks. They have a big you know promotion, yeah. and at nine p.m. Um, you know. There's got to be a big giveaway, and that's when what the mask does is it kind of sacrifices whoever's wearing it, and it makes like bugs crawl out of their brain and all this horrible shit. Really cool, really, really creepy breaks down. But America has like three time zones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like different points. Yeah, happening and they're always like, "Watch the big giveaway at nine yeah. p.m." And it's like, okay, so it's, so like in one part of the country, it's got to be like all these children dying and then they're gonna like the other part yeah, it's they're just gonna be like oh wow everybody in the east coast died <laughs> or I, something I, like that i don't know what they were like about them but i still feel like there was probably more than three channels <laughs> three airwaves yeah, to get them off on so i feel like he still didn't save most of america like, even if he did he didn't save most of america no. oh well um original story at least it's original story and it gives it a try yeah you know it um, and it's fun. It's not a bad film. It's fun no, to watch. It's fun. The theme tune's annoying but catchy. Uh, you know the old the, you said about London's like oh London yeah bridges when falling down yeah when it's yeah the so the, so the silver shamrock theme is based on um, London bridges falling down. Yeah. I'm not going to sing it because I'm not <laughs> very good at singing, <laughs> and I don't want to get it in your head. But you you know if you know what London bridges falling down, then it's you know in the film a lot and it's very it does get stuck in your head. Yeah. Um, I've also got good special effects because the Ellie scenes and lots of other scenes like that for, for for the time is pretty it's fairly good special effects most of the time. Yeah, I, the some of the kills and are great. stuff are really androids well are done, cool. You know. And I love the idea that all androids have like milk for blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. always makes me makes me laugh. Like, do they put like milk bottles in them? <laughs> it's definitely got a lot of. It definitely takes a lot of ideas from other seventies and eighties sci-fi yeah. films. And that is one thing that I'd put as that this film 
I didn't. Re- it's not really. It's not really scary. It's no. not really a horror film. It's a sci-fi. I, I put I it as a sci-fi. It sci-fi. It's set. A lot of the film is also set during the day, which takes away some yeah. of the horror. But it. It's. A, and I think it, it does take away from it in a way that it is meant to be a continuation of a horror and. So it was meant to be an anthology. Yeah. If we talk about the behind the scenes, it was supposed. You know. Um, Kind of as we said before, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill wanted to step away from the Halloween series, and they stated that they would only be involved with the film if it was not a direct sequel to Halloween Two, and that kind of Michael Myers would not be the main focus. Um, and it was supposed to be the start of an anthology series, which is kind of similar to the Twilight Zone. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis also has an uncredited appearance. I didn't and, know this until yeah, I read as, it on yours as the curfew announcer and the telephone operator. Um, I didn't notice that either when I watched it. No. It was only when I was researching, doing some behind-the-scenes stuff, and I was like, oh, shit, okay, maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> but what was your what was your favourite kill? Well, my favourite kill on? was, as we've already mentioned it a few times, but the scene when the uh, when the boy dies in the room okay. of the parents, I just think that that is, I, I felt it was original, and I thought it's sickening. It's quite a gross scene. Like, you see him literally, the mask decomposing, the kid's face decomposing. You see bugs, you see snakes. It makes you, it reminded me very much of that we've talked about before, the Texas Chainsaw, where, you, like, when they go into the room with the, the feathers yeah. in the face. It's that grimy, gruesome, it, it probably is, I think, the most horrific, even though there is some good horror like based deaths in this film it it just made me feel like a bit sick it was like yeah so i was like yes that that definitely hit me and i it was one scene i always remember that's the only thing i i didn't remember a lot of this film i always yeah i always remember that film so i think it has the most impact in my head yeah it's definitely it's like it's the standout scene of the film but for me my favorite kill was um was the ultra Chad Dick Warlock coming back um, when he rips the tramp's head off? Oh yeah, that, um, that that's a great. Scene yeah, as well. so we have the you know the the setup for it is when when uh, Tom Atkins and Ellie. Or I'm just saying Tom Atkins. I can't bother to say Tom Dan. Atkins. <laughs> Tom Atkins. Dan. When Tom Atkins plays himself in every film, <laughs> when Tom Atkins and Ellie arrive in this town, there's like a town drunk who's kind of saying like you know fuck on Cochrane that kind of stuff, and. Later, he, you know, the, the androids come and, and they hold him down. And Dick Warlock, who was obviously Michael Myers in the film before, um, makes a cameo and he just rips this dude's head off. And it looks, it just looks so well done, man. It does, yeah. It's seamless. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I've got nothing else. There's there's no mask, though. There are some fantastic Halloween masks in it. The, yeah. Uh, the pumpkin, the witch. Uh, they're all and, very cool. What is it? It's a pumpkin, a witch and a skeleton. I think there's a fourth as well. No, there's three. Is free. it just three? Yeah, it's just oh, I thought, Okay, yeah, there's, it is pumpkin. Because I'd probably, I'd have the pumpkin, I reckon. Yeah, it, it, it's, what, it's white, it's white, orange and green. Yeah, and those colours do kind of get stuck in your yeah. head as well. Um, it's very, it's, they're very cool masks. Yeah. So moving on to Halloween 4, uh, Return of Michael Myers, in, set in 1988. So six years, there was a six year gap between Season of the Witch and The Return of Michael Myers. And this was directed by Dwight Little and it was written by uh, a gentleman called Alan P. McElroy. Uh, so the budget for this one was five million and the box office was 17.8 million. So a respectable amount at the box office. Yeah, but um, not that huge compared to actually not, the last one if you look at 2.5. Yeah, to, not yeah. that huge. Um, and Michael Myers in this is played by another great name, George P. Wilbur. <laughs> And at times also played by Tom Morgan. Um, so, you know, the plot summary for this is 10 years after the events of Halloween 2, 
Michael Myers has remained comatose in Richmond Federal Sanatorium. That's really tricky to say. Um, and is due to be transferred back to Smith's Grove, where he was originally in Halloween 1. Whilst being transported, Michael Myers learns that his sister, Laurie Strode, died in a car accident and that his last living relative is seven-year-old Jamie Lloyd back in Haddonfield. Michael Myers wakes up and escapes during transit. Dr. Loomis, who is all but retired at this point, learns that the ambulance transporting Michael Myers has crashed en route and is convinced that Michael is heading back to Haddonfield to kill Jamie and gives chase. Michael arrives at Haddonfield and tracks Jamie down. As the town learn, learns that Michael has escaped and returned, a lynch mob is formed. The movie ends with Michael Myers being obliterated and shot down a well by the lynch mob and Jamie Lloyd apparently assuming his powers and killing her adopted sister Rachel. And... I, I really love this film, man. I, 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 <laughs> I always remembered it as being, and this is from pre a couple of others that have been made, but uh, I always remembered it being my favorite of the sequels. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's. I think I just think uh, so. Some of the you know some of the the, the pros for this movie is it's um, it's definitely one of the strongest of the sequels. The opening is extremely strong and works so well. You know, they go to they go to uh, Richmond Fed Federal Sanatorium and one of the doctors there is saying, you know, we basically, Dr. Loomis is just hanging around and we want him to die. Basically. Yeah. They basically imply that they want him to die <laughs> and that um, they just want Michael gone. He's been in a coma for 10 years. He hasn't moved, that kind of stuff, you know. And we know how good he is at just staying still and yeah. nothing. And, and it's raining and it kind of sets it up so well. And, and then... They take him into the, you know, into the, uh, into the ambulance, and I think that's when the theme kicks off when he when he gets into the ambulance yeah, and they start it, driving it, away. It works really well, and they give a bit of a recap of the previous two films just in case you know you want to get up to speed. And then when they mention that he has um, that Jamie is there, Laurie Strode's daughter, you see him clench his fist, and then he just he just breaks out and it's so good don i think donald pleasance is kind of re still really good as loomis and yeah. he seems truly like he's like hell-bent and how the characters react to him is great because they're they're all kind of like really fed up with him that's one thing I they love, are, yeah is which you kind of get you get way. i mean if this imagine if there was it's if like, he was yeah. really like that the way he was in halloween one and halloween two you really wouldn't want to be around him every day he's no. very full and if he was constantly saying you know this guy's going to escape and kill people and he just Keep doesn't your watch on him all the time no you can't let down your guard yeah like, you'd yeah. be so annoyed and you'd be you like would. fuck off <laughs> <laughs> but Loomis is always right man and he escapes um the scenes with michael stalking jamie are great you know there's a scene at a petrol station now Whenever you know Michael Myers seems to love petrol stations. Every every reboot or everything like that, he's always at a petrol station. Yeah, but the scene in this one's great. He arrives there, and um, Loomis is shortly after him, and Michael's already killed everyone. Yeah, Loomis this, arrives. And this is a very action, this is quite an action packed kind of scene for her. you can tell the budget had been boosted a little bit yeah. because you were there's the big explosion of the gas station. which feels out of, feels it, so out of place does. Like, but it's quite cool back. it's kind of like oh okay you're going yeah. with a very like and there are quite a few actiony kind of scenes in this yeah film. definitely and um, you know the bit where so michael was he's killed a mechanic at a garage he loves he just loves killing mechanics he <laughs> and he's got his boiler suit he wants his boiler suit, yeah but he's Don't got the bandages face the bandages over his face you know he hasn't got his mask yet and I do, there's something about Michael Myers just being, like, bandaged up and something like that. It's just so cool. And there's a bit where Loomis goes to shoot him and he disappears. Yeah. Um, it, this, it, that yeah. is a great scene. 
Um, another thing actually from the opening that I really loved, and because each Halloween film, obviously the first Halloween has the the pumpkin sat there. Yeah. You know, and the the the, the second the second one, and even the, actually, there's even in the uh, in season of the witch, there's like a digital version. Yeah, of there's the a digital one, isn't there? But in this one, it actually opens with the pumpkin as the pumpkin starts to kind of break down and it splits. And as the pumpkin splits, there's a skull, like a, almost yeah. like a skull type pumpkin in the background coming through. And I just, I always loved that kind of part of it anyway. I I love that little opening long stretch where you get to see them in different styles. Yeah. Um, but I loved that school scene. Yeah. I was straight away like, oh, I, I think I know what pumpkin I'm doing. How <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this, I think there's just so much good stuff in this. You know, there's a scene where, um, where Dr. Loomis and Rachel Carruthers, who is our kind of, who was our final girl in this kind of, Jamie yeah, Lloyd. Kind um, of lit, but yeah. yeah, she kind of is more the final girl. Yeah. She's kind of the protector. She's of the Jamie protector Lloyd. of Jamie Lloyd, who obviously Mike yeah. is Michael's niece. So he's hunting her down. Um, and there's a bit where they're looking for Jamie because she's gone off trick or treating. Yeah. And there's loads of people dressed up as Michael. And Loomis arrives and the, the new sheriff arrives. And they're aiming their guns at these people. And it's just kids. And they're like, oh, shit. They run off. And then when they drive away, the real Michael is just watching them. And yeah. it, I don't know. This it's just, yeah. Cool, yeah. And it, it, the way in which kind of Haddonfield actually react to Michael Myers coming back and being traumatized by him, I think adds a lot of depth to the I, film. Yeah, I really loved, I loved it. I've got that on my, that I really loved that. But Haddonfield itself feels quite fleshed out in this yeah. film. It feels like it shows kind of lots of different areas, but it also shows the community and how the community has been affected by Michael. Yeah. And it has kind of left this lasting insight. You get the townsfolk yeah. uh, the, in the bar and stuff like that, which I, I, I kind of love that kind of element that they have, that they've had them kind of, we're going to be out on the hunt kind of thing with yeah. our guns. And, and I think one and of them felt says natural. That... It felt like if you yeah. knew this killer was out there again, it felt like that's kind of what they would, especially in those kind of small American towns, it kind yeah. of felt like they would be out there, everyone, like, with your guns, like, where's this, where's where's this, this fucker? fucker? And that's Hunting the thing. Down. I swear one of them says that his son worked at the hospital or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he does, you know? yeah. And it, the one thing that I love about kind of all of these films is, even though they do fall apart a little bit, particularly after this film for me, hmm. they still keep that sense of they kind of happen in the same place and the kind of yeah, the all, effects it, of it. It's all, it's all Haddonfield. It's yeah. all, it's all this world that you get to know. Um, and I think a nice part of the, this one that I really enjoyed is that kind of that character development that we get more. Yeah. And I'd say this one builds it more than most of the, them. In fact, it builds it better than the second one did. Yeah. Um, you know, we get to know certain characters a lot more, such as, such as Rachel. When you first meet her, she seems a bit of a whiny teen. You're like, yeah. oh, all right, she's talking about a boyfriend. This she's just a stereotypical stare. character. Who yeah. cares? But she really develops. She becomes this kind of protector of Jamie. And yeah. She kicks into action. The second, it kind of happens from the second, she kind of breaks the second she sees her boyfriend with another guy. And she kind yeah. of, is, and she kind of becomes this right harder character. And she's kind of kick ass in this film. Yeah, she's really good. You know, dri uh, driving the truck towards the yeah. air. Like, I, I mean, before we even get to that part, yeah. when when she sees her uh, her boyfriend Brady with with that other lass, I can't remember her name, um, the sheriff's daughter. Yeah, and then they're like, okay, Michael, you know, where's where's Jamie? Michael's coming for her, and they have to, you know, they stay in the, in that house, and the police are there, and the police are kind of surrounding there. There's a really great scene where um, one of the police officers is, he's sat 
with a shotgun by the door. Oh, yeah, he's on yeah, a rocking yeah. chair, you know, just like an old dude, just like hanging, hanging brain. And uh, <laughs> and the daughter of the sheriff, I can't remember her name, because um, we've watched, if you watch them so quickly, you just forget characters' names. Yeah, and, there are a lot of yeah. characters that we need to remember here. So. And she's looking through, and um, she, she, I think she sees something in the darkness, so she shines a light on it, and she sees it's the officer who was sat in the chair. Yeah. And he's all cut up oh, and mangled. Yeah. He's like mangled, yeah. He's yeah. Proper, he has proper mangled. Right? Yeah. And then when she turns to the chair, it was Michael Myers and he stands up. And I love that oh, scene. Yeah. And then he just grabs her. Oh, yeah, you think he's going to shoot door. her, but he doesn't. He, he just shoves it through her, Yeah, he? and impales her to a door. <laughs> and, there's, and then the whole, kind of, the whole kind of thing where now Michael's in the house, they have to get away. And, you know, Brady, who, um, who is Rachel's kind of boyfriend, um, mm. He's, you know, he's got his nut off with this other lass. He's not in the best situation with Rachel. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to try and fight Michael. Tries yeah. to shoot him. Doesn't work. I think he misses or Michael wrestles the gun off him. And then he kills him so well. You know? Oh, yeah. It's a, very, it's a very cool death. And the thing is that it's a nice that they kind of add a little element to him because they have that time inside the sheriff's house. There's kind of little moments that they all get to have, like where different, like the sheriff and his daughter or um, Rachel and Jamie, they get these little moments that actually helps flesh them out a little bit. It just takes a yeah. little bit... This film, the nice thing is it just takes that little bit more time to kind of let the pace... Yeah. Let the death slow a little bit. Yeah. Just so that we can kind of get a sense of who these characters are. And Brady himself, who before that, you're just like, oh, this is the dickhead boyfriend. Yeah, this dickhead boyfriend. But he kind of redeems himself a little bit and he gets to talk a little bit more and you get to... Yeah. You know, he's still a bit of a dick, but but he tries. He know. tries, and he tries to protect them, and he becomes that. It's like okay, so you, you tried. redeemed, you redeemed yourself, yourself. You, you know died at I mean? the hands of Michael Myers brutally. You yeah. are, you're right. That, that is your that is yeah. your present for being a dick. <laughs> yeah. but redeeming yourself. And the rooftop chase is great. You know, oh, yeah, after Brady, that's, that's another cool. Yeah, Rachel it, is pretty kick ass in that yeah. scene. You know, helping Jamie get down while she's like, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna go for it. I know this yeah. is gonna end badly if I, you know. But she's lucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, originally, just a little behind the scene thing, but originally that building was supposed to be on fire as well. Oh, okay. Which would have been badass. Yeah, that would have been Apparently good. it was it was too much to kind of... Pull off. Pull off. Probably, so they just stuck with her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I think Rachel like broke her ankle or something whilst filming it because it's a pretty... You know, it's a pretty high-flying thing. Yeah. But it's a really well done. And then the ending with the lynch mob is just so great, you know? Um when they think that they've killed Michael and he's on the back of the truck he's and he just under gets the truck, up. Isn't yeah. he? he comes up and yeah, yeah. And there, there he is. And then he kills the four people on the back you of just the see truck. It. There's a shots the shot's really cool as well. You can see in the background. So you don't you know, you see some you do go outside, but in some shots you just see like Michael and them wrestling yeah. and things like that and it's like, oh wow. And then they you know, they, they flip Michael off and they hit him with a car and then right and then Jamie goes to check on him and you know they say get away from him and then he gets up and the, the lynch mob just fucking shoot the shit out of him yeah they do just absolutely kill him you know the uh, i mean the only cons i've kind of got for it um is that apart from because obviously they this continues on from the second film yeah where michael's badly burnt and when you see michael's arms they're quite scaling quite burnt mm. but apart from a slightly burned face and hand the movie basically skims over how loomis survived yeah, because he's in the room as well, so it kind of doesn't really mention that. Yeah, I I kind of had this um like in my cons because like it's like he's dead, but 
I kind of like the fact that he has the facial scars and they at least try to give some excuse for the damage. I mean, if you looked at it, they'd both be completely They'd both screwed. be dead. They'd yeah. both be completely dead. But they wanted to bring them back and at least they try. Like some films would be like, oh, we can't, like, we can't bother to do the prosthetics and stuff like Let's that. Let's just have time. him. Let's just fine. have him be there. Let's Dream just gloss over yeah. it kind of thing. <laughs> so at least they tried to fit and the prosthetics work quite well. They do make Loomis kind of stand out. Yeah. Uh, Michael, again, Michael's had the bandage. You can't, you don't the really see The badges is a cool look, man. It's just mainly his hands. You can see his hands are burnt on yeah. Michael. Um, um, but it, it kind of works for me. I mean, my cons are also very small for this one, but there is one thing that kind of sticks out for me. And that is that, in general, most of the deaths not very—they're not really creative. They're not really hugely yeah. interesting. A lot of them are off screen. I had that. And as though well. lots of cool, fi- like lots of cool scenes happen, the deaths in them, like even when we're talking about the lynch mob on the back of the truck kind of thing, it's mainly just kind of like throw you off or of stab. You were expecting yeah. like something a bit more graphic or something like that, which again, it's not really totally Michael. But I yeah. guess it's the precedent set by Halloween 2 that it kind of upped the ante of the death and the gore. That... And not only, uh, you know, I, I wrote this down that this, so this came out in 1988 and some of the contemporaries that were also out around the same time, you know, you had Friday the 13th, uh, The New Blood, part seven yeah, with Kane Hodder, um, you know, hold tight. And that was quite, you know, I, they, I know they did trim back some of the stuff in that. But even then, you know, that had the sleeping bag kill. Yeah. It had quite a lot of gruesome ones. It had, you know, Dream Master was out on, on the Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think that was the one with the bugs. Yeah. And that was quite a gruesome one. It, it just not. So it, it really just isn't really building that yeah. creative like style, is it? And Hellraiser 2 as well, man. Oh, yeah. which is uh, We watched like that grease, recently. And stuff, yeah. yeah. The, the scene with the dude, fantastic, yeah. So scene the, with the dude's maggots on his skin still fucking creeps me out, man. Yeah. You so, know. although this one does play up the suspense, it yeah, it's it, you know it's good with the suspense. It kind of has him in the shadows a bit, um, I, but overall, it I just I just did feel a little bit like oh is that is that it? Like it's either you play it fully for suspense and you build up the deaths like they did in Halloween one, or it kind of feels like you've kind of got to go a bit more for it. And yeah. Apart from uh, who did we say was it Brady? Is his name? Yeah, Brady. Yeah. Apart from Brady, Brady's is quite, is quite a, like a standout. That's my, I mean, to jump onto our favourite kills, Brady is my favourite kill of this film. Yeah. But even so, because he kind of like crushes into his brain and into his I mean, throat. yeah, I've put the Michael on the back of the truck. Yeah, that was kind it of It was the cool, cast. but it wasn't really for the deaths. It was kind of because it was just a cool scene. Yeah. Um. So but I'd it's... probably say that Brady's is the only one that really stands out as a death. Although the, the shotgun through the door is quite cool as well. It's cool. Um. Uh, but I think those are probably the only two kills to me that kind yeah. of there is a slight. I just I did get a kind of slight. Yeah, the deaths in general probably, possibly, even though it is one of the the better sequels or you know yeah, um, it is just a little bit tame. Yeah, yeah it feels relatively tame compared yeah. to the contemporaries we discussed. But as I said, I do like the fact that it takes a slower time with the film and the characters. Yeah. And, and um, uh, oh, the mask is also a, a problem for me. Well, what what's your mask rating? So my mask rating is well, I've put on my cons that the mask is it's got a weird kind of like Asian kind of <laughs> style to it. It's a very it, it's like if they did instead of William Shatner, they did like a Jackie Chan kind of mask, <laughs> and it's trying not to be, but like it really is like 
it is like my mass level basically is. I, I, I apologize like for being so. That's a, that's a little bit of a. Mm. Yeah, it looks but like it an old kind of like, Asian man. Yeah, it's like Michael's so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's it's not a good mask. The, the eyes just don't work. I kept getting taken out by the fact I could just see those eyes in like a weird. They'd cut them too wide. Yeah. So it just it looks like squinty and I, maybe it's just as well the body type was very different than the first two's body type for Michael. He's Mr. A, George P. Wilbur. Yeah. He's a bit. He's a bit. He's a bit shorter, a little bit broader, but he looks shorter. Well, I think so. Um, in general, he just. I think that's what it was like a little actiony kind of. That's also it's not just the way it looked. It's like it just reminded me of like a little. He was walking around with a little, like a little um, like Jackie, Jackie Chan. Chan moving around. So um, just yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I thought the the mask was a bit kind of weird. It's it's more like it. I don't know. Is it, yeah. I think it's not the worst mask for me, but it's kind of a bit weird. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, some behind the scenes stuff before we move on. Um, so Halloween Four was supposed to be part of an anthology series, as we've said. Yeah. Um, it was actually due to be a ghost story. Um, but due to the lackluster performance of H3, Season of the Witch, this was scrapped and Michael Myers was brought back. John Carpenter was originally on board to write part four and had chosen Joe Dante um, to be the director for this ghost story. Um, so obviously Joe Dante did Gremlins and a bunch of others. But So that would have been would quite have been a cool, cool. film. Yeah. Yeah. But Mustafa Akkad coming back. Now this is where he seems to be a bit of a thorn in the side. Kind of rejected the idea and insisted that Michael Myers had to return. Due to this, uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill sold their share of the rights to a card and kind of said, look, I'm done. Due to the writer's strike, which was about to begin, obviously during 1988 or 87 when that took place, yeah. um, Alan B. McElroy had 11 days to think of a concept, develop a pitch and write a script, yeah. which is fucking mental. And that I is. think, to be fair, 11 so days. That, that, and that was this script. That was this script. That, so that was for done. the amount of time, it's quite a good script. Yeah, it's a you pretty good I mean? script. It's pretty good for, a t I mean... Yeah, the uh, yeah. other ones had more time for sequels that were worse than this. So yeah, the final two auditions uh, for Jamie Lloyd came down to Daniel Harris, which, and I think this was kind of what broke her into horror yeah. and kind of stardom. And now she is like, you know, she's up there as a screen queen. Um, and Melissa Joan Hart, uh, who would Sabrina later go on to be yeah, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, and due to the, uh, I love this fact. This is oh, a yeah. great. This fact. is amazing. So it was apparently it was a tough film to shoot. Um, and it was extremely cold. So during the filming, uh, Donald Pleasance wore a hat when he wasn't filming. Um, and Dwight Little filmed about six hours of footage with Dr. Loomis wearing this hat <laughs> before anybody realised that this, does, this isn't what his character wears. And he just randomly had a hat on in some scenes. And then they had to go back and reshoot it. All. I was going to say, he it, it, I, I think he still does have in a couple of scenes. And it, it, it does I don't remember a hat, but I would have loved that. I imagine yeah. he wear like a fedora. Later on in one of the sequels, he has a hat <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, he has a hat. A I think part six. But yeah, he I has just, a hat quite a lot. And he yeah. does look a bit weird that he does. he's got his hat on. I just imagine him with a fedora like me, lady. <laughs> there is actually, before we move on, there is one scene that I have to talk about, which is the final scene of the film. We didn't talk about it. Oh, yeah, shit. How can we not like, talk about and then it? And literally, this was the scene that, like, this was what kind of made it my favourite, you know, my yeah. favourite ending of, like, any of the sequels. Um, and that is when Jamie goes into her mother's bedroom, grabs a pair of scissors, walks in, the same point of view shot like we have in the original with Michael killing his sister Judith, Yeah, walks into the bathroom. Her mum is drawing a bath. And she begins to stab her mum. And then they hear it downstairs. Dr. Loomis rushes up the stairs. 
and lets out this giant screaming, like, no, no. Yeah, and it ends. That's and amazing. then it just shows Jamie covered in blood in her little, she and chose she's in the same costume. Out, clown outfit. And yeah. it is also the first, it, it's the first thing before a, a sad plot line in this next one, which we'll go straight on to after this, which is a link between Michael yeah. and Jamie. Yeah. I'll let you take uh, Halloween 5, my friend. Halloween 5. So that leads us into Halloween 5, Revenge of Michael Myers. And that is 1989. So, uh, well, this director's name is not an easy one. I imagine it's Dominique Ofnin Girard, written by Michael Jacobs, John Ofnin Girard, and Shem Bitterman. And the budget was $6 million and the box office was 11.6. So we're starting to see a decline. Yeah. Um, Michael Myers is played by Don Shanks. Quite so, um, I'll, before I mention any of my thoughts on this film, plot summary. Yeah. Okay, so, the film follows on directly from the events of Halloween 4. Michael Myers escapes the mineshaft and is found by a local hermit who nurses him back to health as Michael has fallen into a coma. One year later, Michael awakens and kills the hermit and continues his pursuit of Jamie Lloyd. Jamie has been admitted to a children's hospital and rendered mute. She is being treated for psychological trauma after the events from the previous film and from her attacking Rachel whilst under Michael's influence. I think I fucked up. Man. Yeah, it's all right. It's, it, it wasn't Rachel, it was her, her, her foster mum. Um, she also appears to have a psychic link with her uncle Michael and re- reveals that L- Dr. Loomis, that Michael survived and is coming back. Michael stalks Tina, a close friend of Jamie, to a Halloween party and starts to kill people, sensing that Tina is in danger. Jamie breaks out of the children's hospital to help her. Michael chases Tina and Jamie eventually, resulting in Tina sacrificing herself. Dr. Loomis turns up and Jamie agrees to help Dr. Loomis stop Michael once and for all. Dr. Loomis attempts to lure Michael to a trap at his childhood home, which causes a majority of the police to be distracted away. Oh, sorry, I've just <laughs> yeah, I just realised. Okay, like, sorry, you, Michael. You I'll go back there. Michael <laughs> to trap his childhood home with support from the police. Michael is aware of this and attacks the children's home, which causes the majority of police to be dispatched away. Michael then enters the house and continues his pursuit of Jamie. Doctor Loomis eventually manages to trap Michael and, using tranquilizer darts and attacking him with a wooden plank, manages to <laughs> knock him unconscious and allow the police to take Michael into hospital. Dr. Loomis then has a stroke whilst at the police station. A strange man in black arrives and kills the police before releasing Michael. I'm not sure if it's how I've written it or if you can't read. <laughs> There's just it points was, that. I mean, <laughs> I'm going back to the convoluted point where I was just like, is this still going on? Like, yeah. oh my God, like this sounds so complicated. Um, before we start this, so I've got from my last episode, I've got a little in apology thing here to oh, say. Oh shit, yeah. Because of the Rachel Carruthers. In our last episode, we did our characters who we wished hadn't died and um i mentioned rachel Carruthers as one of those characters um and i'd watched a clip of the scene of her her death it turns out the clip was shortened by quite a lot which i thought was the death um i'm not saying i don't take it back it was still it's still <laughs> a wasted opportunity um but i mentioned a few things such as jamie in the mental facility being quite glossed over which isn't true it's actually quite a big part of the film yeah which i just completely glossed over that in my mind well we hadn't watched these films by then no we not had, for a long, we, long time we, we didn't have time to watch all different of those films and I, I thought i knew fairly well 
and I obviously forgot. I think yeah. I mixed up the films with the Halloween four and Halloween five. Well, I liked that. This this is the second week in a row that we've made a public apology, <laughs> mainly because of me. I'm looking forward to our Ra- next mess up. Yes, <laughs> Rachel's death is better executed in part, but so if we talk about her death here, so I I kind of said it was quite quick. It's actually played out quite long. Yeah, they, they kind of build up the suspense, which is kind of well done um but it it does it takes it so we see her going into the shower and coming out and then the dog starts barking and she goes outside thinking what's going on and she is quite alert she's not just like giving up and then she goes outside and people have come to check she thinks that someone might have been in the house and like we see a cop there and he's checking yeah and it's the two dumb cops who are played in this film who are both like it, it, it's kind of enjoyable and but they they're like goofy a, as yeah. hell and they, they have, have a st- weird like clown theme don't they? they have stupid soundtrack going with them which is a big con um <laughs> and um then she goes back into the house and they think it's all clear and she seems a little bit more at peace that she's alone and the dog's just being weird yeah and, and then she goes to the closet and then she sees there's the hand yeah you know, which again, I'm still sticking with. I don't know how you don't see that hand. It's very clear. <laughs> it's right next to her. It's very close to her head. Um, but anyway, she goes up there and then she gets stabbed in the heart. It kind of looked a bit, it looked a bit more, the angle looked more like the like the chest or the shoulder yeah. to me than it did to the heart. And then that's where it ends. So it's a bit more long doubt. It has yeah. quite good suspense, I'll admit, but it doesn't make it any less of a wasted potential yeah i really think that kind of before i get too much into the pros and cons that they should have switched tina and rachel around for this film because i mean i i love that this film is set one year directly and i love i don't know why i just love that michael crawls out of that mine shaft somehow just like floats down a river (laughs) yeah gets picked up by a local hermit and is mended i love that for some reason i don't know why that was funny yeah i had no i had no problem with that but um, then, it, for me, it would make more sense to have Rachel still be the one, you know, communicating with Jamie, yeah. still doing that. And then when she finally sacrifices herself, because Tina sacrifices herself for Jamie, and I think if Rachel had done that, you know, seeing how have felt, it would have been more emotional. It would have felt emotional. like a match conclusion. Yeah. Whereas Tina, um, I, I believe, I'm not even sure it was the same actress in the previous film. She appears in the car at one point. Yeah, which she we assumes, But I think it's actually a different actress who plays her between the two I films. I can't even remember. Um, but we don't have any connection to this character. No. And I've got to be honest, in general, and it's, it was a, it's a big con for me on this film, is the fact that where the last one had amazing, I thought that the character development was very well done. This one I feel is almost non-existent. Yeah, kind and of. And most of the characters they introduce, like, say, Tina as the lead. Tina's probably the most interesting of the bunch, but she's nothing on what Rachel could have been. No, definitely. And Jamie's relationship was a nice relationship I would have liked it, to have yeah, seen more of. Definitely. Um, and the other, in general, there's not many characters in this film uh, that I found interesting. I thought they were underdeveloped, and I've frankly a lot of them were annoying and just stereotypes i quite liked tina's boyfriend who's also called michael but mainly only because it sets up a really good scene later on you know i mean for most of this film i think when michael's doing his stalking i think it's quite good like there's a scene where i think tina is kind of visiting the the children's psychiatric unit and michael stood there and he's watching and then he sees them get into michael's you know not insane michael's car and drive off yeah, and the I, other michael. yeah the other michael and i really like that and, and then obviously there's a scene where he um he kills michael in quite a gruesome way mm. um and he kills him and then 
he goes and picks Tina up and he's wearing a yeah. mask, you know, and he's pretending to be Michael. And Michael's a bit, you know, I'll call him Mike because it's really confusing, but the boyfriend Mike is a bit of a dickhead. So when, so when Michael's not speaking, that kind of stuff, Tina's like, oh, you're just in one of your moods. And he goes and, you know, and he's in his, I think that bit was quite tense, you know. I mean, I, yeah, I got the tenseness of it, but I got to be honest in general, the, the Michael character I thought was really bad. I really didn't like him at all. And I thought his death was really poor as well. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I, I, to me, I felt, one, the actor was trying to play like some kind of bad boy character. Oh, yeah, he was definitely and trying. He, seems te- he seemed like a really goofy, douchey version of that. It felt like he was trying to do some kind of like grease style yeah like, that's what boy. i thought he was trying to do like james but Steve. he wasn't even pulling that off he had like, his like slip back hair so, like, leather jacket i just car. i just didn't like this character and then i didn't like the scene when he dies because purely because for me michael's someone who comes out of the shadows he he kind of comes out of, he's in this dark thing and him walking out in the middle of this big daylight and just he just walks out there's no like there's no like movement to it there's no michael style movement he just is just he's just like strolling along behind him walks up to him kind of thing <laughs> does the scratch on the back i like the, the death scratch is fine. The, i like the I like scratch, the scratch the, like the death bit but the, the like, i don't mind i don't mind the death kind of thing and i yeah. don't mind that that character dies um but i just there's just the really threw me off seeing him just like walking out like that he just walks out from like as if he's just strolling down around yeah, the he corner like, walks out like a bin or something he just kind of walks he? out and it, this is another problem with me for the um who was it don shanks not a great michael he no, is stiff great, he it? is too tall he's like a hulk he's this is the first one when it's really a hulk he looks like a hulk of a yeah, he's michael big, myers isn't he? And he he acts like it. He acts like a wooden plank walking around, and there's no style to it. And I think that's part of why I didn't like the fact that he walks out in the middle of daylight, right behind Michael's car, and you just it just long allows you to see that shot of him walking behind. It's it's not done suspensefully in any way. No, there's not much suspense there. But I, I, and then the I didn't, I, yeah, yeah. And then with Tina in the car, like I I, I kind of that had some that had suspense to it, but I also didn't like the fact that he's driving her around because again, it just didn't feel like something Michael would do to me. I quite liked it. I don't know why. Like, it, it was, was kind of like a stroll along, but. I don't know. It just it didn't it didn't feel like Michael to me. Like he doesn't just yeah, fair point, move man. people around kind of thing. I just I don't know. I I really wasn't keen up. But then I got I got to be honest. Looking like at this film, I've got a big list of cons and a small list of pros because yeah, I I've... really didn't like this. This is probably my least favorite Halloween. Oh film, shit! In really? fact. Okay. I mean, there was and there's a, there's ones that for other reasons should be worse. Yeah. But I just in general I did find this film very dull. Well, let let me have a little little list of uh, pros for you. Well, just come, see if I can I'll change come your with mind. Pros. <laughs> um, I've the Thank bit you. in the barn I thought was okay. It was quite well done. Um, you know where there's a guy pretending to be Michael Myers, and yeah, there's a bit of to or fro where this girl's following someone. She's not sure if it's her boyfriend or if it's not. Yeah, you know, and the, I think the kill was a bit was okay. I think he does he use a scythe. The, he's a uh, he uses a scythe on her. You don't get to see that like chop of the head. Yeah, and he uses like a a pitchfork kind of thing through yeah. the back. I thought that was quite which is, cool. Which yeah, it was fair. The death was alright. I thought they were going to do the whole one of the Friday the Thirteenth, you know, where he impales them both. Yeah, I was expecting that, but I think you know, pitchfork's quite a cool weapon to kill someone with in a scythe. No, the rest of, the the, the uh, deaths in general are actually I think are better than. Halloween 4 because as yeah. I said the deaths are quite tame in Halloween 4 but these feel not a great bit style more... there's a bit more to them in this yeah it's just more it is for me it's the way that they portray and shoot Michael as a character I think the film is very poorly shot yeah I think um, I think once I like the bit where Michael's kind of hunting Jamie in the 
in the house, you know, in the Myers house. Yeah. I thought that was quite cool. Um, I don't like the look at the Myers house in this film. It looks completely different. It looks like they lived in like a mansion. Where, it does. As opposed it, to like a random, does get, like, as the sequels go on, it seems to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? Yeah, um, they want I, more space. I did like the scene where they kind of go up into the attic or wherever it is and you see Michael's kind of collection of bodies. Of bodies, I like that bit, And yeah. Jamie gets into the casket and then says, you know, let me see. Michael takes his mask off, but you don't, and you, and you see him like a tear. And you never yeah. properly see his face. No, I quite like that. For some reason. You just see the eye. I yeah. quite like that. So the, the, I do have, I do have pros, and it's not like I completely hate this film. Yeah. Um, I just have, I just noticed I've just got Dick Warlock. <laughs> just <laughs> Dick Warlock. That's Dick it. Warlock's Better deaths. Um, mean but active Loomis. So he, Loomis plays a fairly of part in capturing him. And yeah, like that. I hate that. And it's a bit like he's right there. He kind of traps him. It, it's not so. As I say, it's not so. I love. Um, although it's nice to see Loomis trying to do something a little bit different, at least. I, it, for me, it goes against his whole character because there's the bit where he's he's reasoning with Michael. Yeah. And so for, yeah, that, that is for one, bit. two, and four, he's saying, you know, he's evil. He's pure evil. You must destroy him like yeah. that. To then go, well, what, you know, to then try and bargain with him just feels like it goes completely against the character for me. Yeah. And I mean, the whole bit where he just gets him with, you know, gets him with the wooden plank, wood, tranquilizer darts and oh, a wooden, wooden plank, plank and then a metal. What net. is it? I, I thought I wrote it down. I don't. But he, he keeps it's quite comical because he keeps screaming the same thing at Michael. Like, if, I can't remember if it's a die or go down or something. But he's just like, <laughs> die, go down, die or something. You know what I mean? It's just like it's, it comes across quite comical. <laughs> well, I just finished watching The Office and, you know, in the bit where they tranquilize Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought when I was watching this. <laughs> I just thought, like, why are you tranquilizing him? Um, and then the whole, you know. One of the few uh, yeah. characters I did like was Deputy Charlie, who is the cop who's in the room with Jamie inside the Myers house. And he's talking to her and he's trying to keep oh, her calm and um, things like that. Blotch, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that, is, I've, I've got, got, I've got Deputy got, Charlie. I've, I've got, got this Blotch. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought his name was Billy at one point. So I, Maybe it's Blotch, sure. I don't know. I, che I checked for Deputy Charlie, which didn't really sound right. I didn't remember hearing Deputy Charlie, but that's what I had on IMBD. Oh, um, okay. But... Um, like he actually came across. He was like ready. He was with a shotgun. He was quite resourceful. Yeah. He was checking the doors. He was checking, and he literally like the second I was coming, he's got a way to get her out of the room. It's like he's thought about it. Yeah, it's like this is actually a smart cop. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did like that. And he does die, but then because you kind of get a little bit of time to know him more than you do probably almost any other character half the time, um, he gets quite a quick death. He gets kind of a kind death uh, yeah. because he just gets hung. Like in a quick way, so it's kind of like compared to the other more brutal deaths in yeah. the film, it's like, oh, you've got quite a nice. Um, uh, I mean, Tom, I put the, in one of my cons is that Michael's capture kind of feels like something out of Tom and Jerry. You know, he like <laughs> lures him into a room, in the, and there's yeah. a net, and there's a tranquilizer, you know, and it's like. Especially okay. when he works out, like Myers works out the whole that they're going to try to capture him in the house kind of thing. Yeah. Then he sends them away, like we said in the plot summary. And it's kind of like, how did you not see that one coming, Michael? Because you seem to have worked out every other angle. Like, how yeah. did you not see the thing trawling like, down? Maybe the his other mask. Yeah, well, maybe. maybe it's so that he can't look up and see. But it. he kind of like <laughs> he tends to kind of like like sometimes when you see him, he, he looked, scans the rooms, yeah. kind of thing. But I don't. And the ending is was just really weird and awful to me. You know, when the men. So the end, Michael gets arrested. Yeah. So I I I mean I like the fact that he kind of gets 
in a way, I like the fact that he gets captured purely because it's different than him just disappearing. It is again. different than him getting killed. Like, I don't mind like that he gets you know? captured. Yeah, I'm not like the whole like that. the whole like Dick Warlock, man in black. Was it Dick Warlock? Was it was Dick Warlock. I thought was it was man George P. Wilbur. Oh, I thought uh, I had it as Dick Warlock was the man in black. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Both of them are chance. <laughs> I don't. But yeah, it's just so out. Uh, it's just and what. He, and he just kind of the explosion and it just seems out of nowhere and then it also has that scene with Jamie where she's like screaming which just feels like okay so Loomis screamed in the last one Loomis screamed in the first one you know what I mean whenever he got away it seems like they always end on that so they the just screen, needed the yeah. character just to come in to go oh my god no, oh my god he's like not he's here. got away yeah um, I don't know I just thought it was uh... it, so yeah uh, I don't know what else I've got that's good I, I kind of liked the dumb cops in a way like they were kind of enjoyable in a stupid kind of yeah, yeah but I hated the sound effects that went with them but here's here's the main thing I guess like where even when I'm talking about any of the death scenes or anything like that it's over long and it's over like stuffed like that scene in the barn goes on for a long time it does time. it's a big chunk isn't it you know what I mean and, and even that scene at the end with Loomis in the house and stuff it all just feels so long but it it's quite like a sloggy film happens. isn't it yeah it really needed a tight edit you know what I mean and it's just not there I got a funny thing with the, the quote of the director saying that this like this sequel and like the last sequels he literally said this sequel takes it much more back to the subtlety and suspense <laughs> of the first film that's what the yeah. director said on one of the commentaries but they kind of always say that don't and they? it's like yeah, you're probably just saying that, but still at the same time, like, you're so wrong. You're like, you're probably now stepping to the furthest we've gone from the original kind of subtle yeah. suspense. You are into full on late, like, 80s bad yeah. kind of, you know, well, moving what, around. Killing. What was your favorite kill? My favorite kill um, was. I put, actually, I put Deputy Charlie gets hung purely because I liked the character. Same here. Yeah. And I think it's so... It's weird, because, yeah, I said, we said there's some good deaths in here. I couldn't think of one that I, like, loved enough yeah. to be like, yeah. I like the pitchfork one. That was quite cool. But, yeah, I, I just think there's something about him getting hung, which is kind of... It's kind of so brutal and so quick that it there's just something about it that just makes it feel like it didn't happen almost. Yeah. You know? Um, it's Just before we move on, a couple of behind-the-scenes things. Um, so, original plans for the script included you know, carrying on from uh, H4 was that Jamie Lloyd being fully evil after H4. Um, but this was rejected by a cad, which caused tensions between him and Donald Pleasance. Um, yep. The hermit at the start was supposed to be a young cultist who lived on the outside of town and his shack was kind of due to be filled with runes and other occultists, which would introduce the supernatural aspects of the film earlier because we do have the man in black popping up here and there. Yeah. Um, footage was filmed, but it was eventually reshot and we got the old hermit. And originally the film was due to include more blood and violence, but this was yet again rejected by Mustafa Ricard. And yeah. yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing that time, actually. He's, they mm. probably didn't need it. It probably would have made it feel even more kind of schlocky. I kind of think we should have had it. Um, We're full on schlock. Well, I guess it was already yeah. full into that. I do um yeah. I mean, there were, there were a few things that... um So kind of... So this kind of links to H2O later on, but it's very much about this film, which is that um, screenwriter Kevin Williamson has stated this as inspiration for Scream. Okay. He loves this film. He thinks the goofy cops are like amazing. He used them like the two goofy cops are in screen yeah. four later on. Um, but I, it's just when I was sat there, I could suddenly see a lot of links to how what he said he was sat there on the night he came up with the idea and he was watching Halloween Five. Yeah, and I can kind of see it. The suspenseful bit with Rachel's death in the way where it kind of stops and starts and goes off and the killer kind of moves around kind of thing is very much Drew Barrymore in the opening. Yeah. 
and it has lots of scenes like all of the the cops outside the party kind of like you have the tv van outside the party yeah with kenny the and when he gets killed and when tina runs out of the barn she sees him dead the same way they see kenny inside the van yeah. the kids the kids who i really enjoyed actually the kids uh jamie and daniel harris properly kind of carries this film i feel like for yeah. quite a lot of it like on her little shoulders she has to yeah. carry a lot of the scenes but um i kind of like the two kids like kind of going to save the adults yeah, in this film cool. that was, like, cool that was one thing i did quite like but there's a bit when they're like running through a field which is very much like sydney running through the field there's just so many little shots i just sat there going i can see how this inspired another horror film but i can see that this <laughs> was like a main, weird it's such thing. a weird one to inspire yeah. out of all of them but it seems like he took a lot but made it better better <laughs> so overall this film is the mask oh yeah so well, i said right. the mask is like a hulking patrick bateman <laughs> he's like american whiter because <laughs> it's just it just looks weird but his hair slicked back like properly like yeah. patrick ba- like christian bale in american psycho <laughs> I, I i just found it i just yeah I just, this is the worst mask for me and yeah. it remind it makes me think that the mask has been put in the microwave because it's just so droopy yeah and it it's is. so like oh he doesn't oh, i don't know it just looks so fucking bad it's just not good. And you it, had a budget of what, like five million? Yeah. And you couldn't get a good. <laughs> a lot of them seem to have this problem. Like, so you'd bad, think, isn't it? You'd think number one is like, let's look at what the best mask is and let's just recreate let's that. Let's do but that. No, apparently not. Let's just fucking do the rest of it. Okay, so that's pretty much where we're going to hit our midpoint. So we're going to this week is just our part one, and next week we'll be doing part two of our Halloween retrospective. Yeah, it was uh, quite a long one, so thank you for bearing with us. Um, we're, we're looking forward to seeing you next week. We are on Instagram and Twitter at CMTH Podcast. If you want to come and let us know your thoughts on the Halloween series so far, your highlights, your, your, your lowlights, what you thought about the masks, all of that kind of stuff, come and say hello, and we look forward to seeing you for part two next Monday. <laughs>